tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, the free phone number. Emma's looking after the programme, she'd be happy to hear from you. Coming up on this morning's show, Johnny Luby will join me in just a few moments' time. Calls to return to cash at the gates for GAA Games. We'll have the latest on the GP crisis affecting uh, Ballangarry. Andrew will join me to talk Grammys and indeed the passing of the great Burt Bacharach as well. We'll have a dream analyst in studio to decipher your dreams. So if you have an odd dream or if you just want to check out a recurring dream, uh, will you share with us please? 83 311 for your text and your WhatsApp or our Friday panel, of course, will unpack the big stories of the week just after 11 o'clock. So all of that and much, much more on the way. We'll have a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today to the Irish Daily Mail, first of all. And they're telling us that Irish dance judges are to be banned from using phones or electronic devices and forbidden from note-taking in a major cheating clampdown at next week's All-Ireland competition. Uh, the uh, ruling body overseeing Irish dance um, confirmed the new measures after the organisation was rocked by allegations of fesh fixing last year. Coverage right across the newspapers today as well um, of the death of the maestro himself, the great uh, Bert Bacharach who died at the age of 94. The Irish Times telling us that the Taoiseach calls for a need to secure EU borders to prevent human trafficking. Uh, the Taoiseach Leo Radcar called for the need to secure the borders of the European Union to prevent human trafficking and for rejected asylum seekers to be deported in a hardening rhetoric as EU leaders uh, met for an extraordinary summit on migration. Also, the Irish Times telling us that the earthquake uh, death toll in Turkey and Syria has now passed 20,000, which is just an incredible tragedy, isn't it? The Irish Independent, dozens of nursing homes face closure over inflation. Several nursing homes around the country face the threat of closure because the fair deal scheme doesn't factor in soaring inflation. The boss of a leading chain has warned. And uh, finally, a look at uh, the Irish Examiner and it's dominated by a photograph of the Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky speaking during a, an EU summit at the European Parliament in Brussels yesterday. He received a, a standing ovation following that uh, address. Also on the Examiner today, TikTok being used to spread lies about migrants is one of their headlines. And we're also hearing that up to 800 cases are before on board Planola, where its uh, inspectors have signed off on reports. But they can't be rubber stamped because, guess what, there's just not enough board members to do so. So that's uh, a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to comment on any of that, 083 311 Star of stage, screen and radio, the great Johnny Luby is with me. How are you, Johnny? Fran, I'm uh, shivering. You're shivering? Why are you yes. shivering, Johnny? Oh, I don't know what to talk to this bloody thing tomorrow night, please, God. Oh, you're going to be you're going to be absolutely huge, Johnny. 
Yeah, well, then Tim Flight, he rings this morning and said, I'm supplying the tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so I get another rap. Well, I'd thing. love if Tim was there in Brewbrew tomorrow night because he'd be getting his own back on you for everything you've said. <laughs> yeah, it is unbelievable, Fran. You know, I mean, when you go back there to the headings on the paper and you read them out, like the world is in turmoil. Isn't it just? Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, like, to think that Russia are doing what they're doing to the Ukrainians and then you have the earthquakes uh, and that and people yeah. dying all over the place and mother of God above tonight, I don't know where it will all stop. And then you have people out there trying to get rid of Dior Father, is it? Yeah, that's it, yeah. They want to replace it with some gender neutral uh, language. Oh, God above, friend, I don't know. Yeah. I tell you something or not. I mean, you go to funerals there and you go airlift is uh, somebody close to you and they say the rose are in the Our Fathers and the whole lot. And I'll tell you, friend, whether it is banned or not, I'll still be saying the Our Fathers. I, I say a few prayers going along in the care and that kind of a thing. Uh, uh, so I keep everything in mind, but look, they're so coming you, up with... you won't be changing your wording or anything? No, I will not. I, I'll just be saying what I learned uh, maybe 63 or 4 years ago in school, and that'll do me. It has served me well, and I will not I will not be getting rid of the Our Father. Getting, and and look, do you say a few prayers, Danny? Seriously? Oh, friend, I do. I pray do like you? a whore. Yeah, I pray like a whore. <laughs> in the care of God, I would, yeah. I'd say Hail Mary's for people that are in, in trouble and people that are sick and people that have uh, many uh, illnesses and all yeah. that thing. I would, yeah, certainly. certainly. And I, as I said, I'd be proud to say it. I might be the greatest Catholic in the world, but I certainly would say my prayers. Kneel down every night beside the bed and uh, wake up in the morning and put the feet on the ground and I always say, thank God. Isn't that uh, amazing? That's a bloody Just that's a bloody bonus to be able to put your feet on the ground, isn't it? It, it certainly is indeed. Um, the, the only happy note, I suppose, for you is that Bertie Hearn has made a comeback. He's back as a member of Fianna Fáil. You must be thrilled over that, are you? I don't know, friend. Part of me would say, yeah, bring him back. What difference does it make? Another part of me would start thinking of the bad times and uh, all of that and um, uh, the Taoiseach of the country and he not having a bank account and mother of God above tonight, what are you to believe? But then you see when uh, people bring back the lads from Golfgate and they're all uh, absolved of their sins during the COVID lockdown and they're promoted and the whips are given back to them and the whole lot should say, listen, look, what difference does, what difference does it make? You know, uh, I mean, he was talking one time and raving about the Bertie Bowl mm. in Dublin, yeah. which would be an absolute scandal considering how much money we have pumped into the children's hospital and it's not even halfway in here. We were talking a few years ago at the Bertie Bowl and we had two or, we have two or three of the finest stadiums in Europe, in the Aviva mm. and in uh, Croke Park, which is a state of the art. And uh, you have other places there as well. You well, have, that was uh, going to be his legacy, wasn't it? Uh, wasn't that what but you look, listen, it's very easy to leave a legacy for not paying for it. <laughs> yourself, you know, I mean, I know. you know what I'm saying, Frank, I know. The, whole, the whole thing was a, a bloody scam, you know, yeah. uh, of the highest order, and then there's more pages given over to this Eurovision Song Contest, mm. what a disaster that is as well, you know, I mean, you're better off to go into Brew Brew tonight and listen to top class singers like yourself and Muriel <laughs> and all the rest of them as well, you know, I mean, as yeah. Corey Hanley often said in Tip Town, he said, look what happened, he said, when we sent over Dustin. Yeah, I know. I mean, when people think of a sending over a duck, yeah. was he a duck or a drake? No, he, he was, he's not a duck or a, a turkey. Drake. He's a turkey. That's a turkey. Sending him over to represent us. And what did, you, what did the EC do the week after? They sent him back to Trika here to see what was going on. What kind of a carry-on is going on in Ireland? And nobody could stand up. Imagine sitting at a fireside beyond in the Blue Danube yeah. and you see a turkey representing Ireland. Yeah, and we thought it was the right thing to do. Can you imagine <laughs> oh, that? I mean, who decided? Did anybody find out who made that decision? 
Malaysia. <laughs> no, and because no. uh, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the freedom of information. <laughs> Confident, <laughs> confidentially, I'm told the government had a big part to play in it. Ah, uh, sure. No, uh, can I drag you into the conversation we had during the week about the Hearty Cup? And I know you want to talk about that anyway, but there were some people and they were concerned about some of the chanting towards the referee, calling him a word that rhymes with banker and stuff like that. Yeah. What, what uh, did you make of that? Look, friend, I mean, can you control? I mean, if you're over, like, there's always cheerleaders, mm. whether it's in the rugby schools or in the, the uh, or the hurling schools competitions or the football competitions and that. Look, you're trying to eliminate all of that because the referee has a job to do. Look, I often shouted in as a referee myself, but I'd never say that, you know. Uh, like, uh, to me, without a referee, without a hurling ball, you have no game. Without a referee, you certainly have no game. Gotcha. It's just to breed respect into all the clubs for the referees. They're doing tankless jobs. Right, so were you disappointed to hear that? I was disappointed to hear, but sometimes those things, uh, the the new, uh, it makes the news and look, might be one one fella shouted it out and next thing mm. is two or three will join in and oh, that yeah, kind yeah. of a thing. But, you know, like the Hearty Cup itself for Tipperary, before I start on Cashland Tullus, like mm. for Tipperary it was absolutely fantastic. The first time in the history of the Hearty Cup competition that you had two Tipperary teams in, in, in a final. Inside in the Mecca of Hurling, inside in uh, the, the Simple Stadium. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. You know what? If Tullus had won friend by a pint, mm. I'd be still here saying today, congratulations to them. Mm. I'd say congratulations to them on getting to the final. If you could go into Tullus CBS today and say, listen, lads, this time next year you'll be in the final again, wouldn't they give the right arm just to be in the yeah. final again, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, for Cashel, friend, it was absolutely fantastic uh, for the school itself in 30 odd years for Brendan Ryan who's ploughing a furrow mm. in there for a long long number of years you know uh, like when it came down to a, a, maybe a, a, a hit to you to water dog fight like because Cashel are very skillful and so are Tullis but Cashel just dogged it out they had a hard quarter final and semi final they'd come through a tough campaign uh, and that I'd say on the day Tullis possibly wouldn't be happy with their own performance mm. that they got drawn into a game like that but yeah, well, like, you called it last week in fairness and uh, you know Tullis were favourites but you called it for Cashel last week yeah, I did, Jeff. And I just thought for a few for, for a few reasons. I thought that uh, that apart from the tough campaign or anything else, uh, Cashel would have learned more in a semi-final victory over Ardsqual Reach than Tullus did. Maybe uh, we'll say beating a, a good class Middleton team mm. by twelve or fourteen points. But I just thought then that Cashel would have learned a lot from the from that Tullus game when they go back and look at the video. To me, Middleton uh, they were overcome at half time. They possibly thrown in the towel. And as I often said it before, with Tullus teams, it doesn't have to be the CBS the Southfields, the Ullasog, any teams if you stand back and admire Tullus, they will actually put the scores on you but if you get stuck in and make it hard for them uh, it might be just a different ball game, you know, and when I was at the races yesterday in Tullus, a couple of lads said to me, uh, the power of Tip FM uh, you were, uh, are you able to get the uh, Arday Chalice Remember we're talking about that to the jockey and Cashel and down to Corcoran's pub in Littleton and every place else, you know. Well, I said, we didn't, I said, but we got the bloody hearty cup, I said, back (laughs) back instead. And uh, I have to go into Cashel next week, Fran, to get my photo taken with it with the caption on me. Forgot to take it away in 73. (laughs) But uh, look, hey, great times. And look, well done to all the lads. They behaved themselves well during the week. And for the parishes around, Fran, it's absolutely brilliant when we look at... And and Johnny, are you... seeing talent emerging from those two teams, for example, are you saying... Yeah, Fran, you certainly would. Like, Tullus would have a, a, a 
a good squad of players to mm. go on further and so would Cashel Community School for ourselves in Golden with 10 of the maybe 40 odd people that were on the panel mm. it's absolutely brilliant kick him and you can go through the whole lot Rose Green Coal Mine Cashel itself mm. like uh, wonderful hurling areas and I was just saying there this morning to another guy there I said when you think that 59 was the last time that it came to uh, West Tipperary Mm. the Hearty Cup like we have the ABCBS we have uh, uh, Rockwell College who would probably participate more in rugby now and mm. now you have Cashel bringing it back like it's great for West Tipperary because often we're considered uh, the weaker mm. uh, section and it's grand for a, a, a man like Liam Cale to look back on the sideline and see that he has maybe five or six uh, lads from uh, maybe West Tipperary and South Tipperary because the Middle North would be the, the strongholds of uh, the holding in Tipperary uh, and that even when Babs was there like he went back for the likes of Declan Ryan Joe mm. Hayes John Kennedy all the Bonners uh, and Pat Fox and Nicky English and all of those like they were all West Tipperary mm. lads and it's great for Tipperary hurling uh, that uh, uh, that the Fantastic. four divisions would be well represented you know that's what it's all about That's great and the turnout of course in Sample Stadium was amazing But your friend was absolutely fantastic and to be fair to them the ground was absolutely superb the, the policing the policing of the youngsters and that listen uh, it was fantastic you know but they were going to go out and celebrate on the field what would you do after 110 years only jump out onto the field and away you go uh, and that and then of course friend the big one was to bring the cup to the schools around we'll mm. just say in Golden and Knockerville Dunaski Thomastown Clonolty Rossmore uh, and that to bring the hearty cup there uh, you know like youngsters will see it with the uh, Cashel Community School Tullus would uh, uh, would have done likewise back through the years you know so it's great for the kids that are coming That's in from 6th class uh, into the secondary schools then but look I'd have to take my hat off as I've said umpteen times to the people that are involved at, at ground level in, in uh, I see where Liam the big man in Wexford uh, was, that, was, that one all out of Wexford in 96 actually uh, trying to get them get a motion through that each club would, would more or less be compelled to uh, field an under 7, 8, 9, 10 team up as well, oh. maybe 16 or 17 to keep that wonderful game of hurling going and that's what it's all about you know just that's keep just... it going And what about football Johnny do you want to <laughs> Yeah, friend, look, it was just disappointing last weekend, yeah. Tipperary and Kevin. Of course, Connor Sweeney, not alone a huge loss to the county, but certainly a huge loss to Skinner Inky as well, because they were going very well in the intermediate competition last year and weren't far off of maybe getting to a county final and winning it. But Connor Sweeney's loss would be huge at club level. It would be un imaginable what it's like to try and field a team without him because his presence alone when you're standing beside him he's a guy of six foot two maybe 15 stone and uh, would one say a horse of a man to have on your parish team and look the best of luck to uh, uh, Conor Sweeney hopefully he'll be back fairly quickly from a, a, a a, a bad knee injury I suppose Tipperary looked they didn't learn an awful lot the other night against Leash we kind of expected that but what Liam Kell probably got was a performance and he'd be looking for the very same thing on Sunday he please God in uh, Nolan Park when they take on the Black and Amber it's always a good hard game down there and I've no doubt that look whether Tipperary are beaten or not is like Aim Noche used to say uh, when he was involved with Liam Sheedy and those we're looking for performances the whole time yeah. you know that listen was on to ask your opinion about Nolan Park he says uh, we haven't won in 15 years in uh, Nolan Park and uh, Lissa goes on to say not good enough for the Premier County what does Johnny think 
Yeah, yeah. Look, friend, they had a hoodoo over us there for a few years, but one must remember when we won in, in uh, uh, 2010, 16 and 19, we did beat uh, Kilkenny. I know it was in Crowper, mm. but they were, they were the big ones. So Tipperary always uh, uh, loved playing Kilkenny, uh, and that there were always wonderful games of hurling, and I've no doubt that they'll go down to Norland Park on Sunday. You have to go down there and take them on. Mm. Uh, they'll really relish the, the huge challenge which Kilkenny uh, will do for them, you know. I suppose, friend, on the, the, they have a long puck competition tomorrow in Clonolty, please God, for the Dylan Quirk Foundation mm. as well, where each club in the county does probably 70, 70 clubs. They will uh, uh, supply uh, horrors from each club for this long puck competition. It goes on then further as well, all under the name of the Dylan Quirk Foundation. Actually, a chap sponsored me last night, Liam Maguire. Uh, he's known as Magoo. Uh, <laughs> you've done it again Mago uh, Liam Maguire uh, in Cochran's pub give me a, a nice few Bob to uh, to uh, poke the ball tomorrow in that com- in that so I'm going to see Andrew Friday tonight in Tony Brennan's pub because the county board draw is on there and uh, to know could I have just two minutes to see uh, uh, what can I do. I did a long puck below at uh, JP uh, Golf Classic for South Liberties and uh, you won't believe it Brian and I genuinely busted a gizzle to try and hit the ball. Didn't I miss the bloody thing three times? <laughs> and Eamon Grimes, that former Limerick holler, he said, no wonder you lost the Hearty Cup in 73 <laughs> if you were the best of them. But uh, look, that's on tomorrow oh, in Canality. Then, of course, friend, just to tell Ireland Sunday, there's a big game again a Sunday week between Tip and Kilkenny and Tullus again. Yeah. It's for the Dylan Quirk thing. And uh, look, many of the players that are on the panel, because each uh, county have big panels now, many of them will get a run and we can go into Tullus Simple Stadium to see what actually uh, have we coming on board. Because great. I was talking to Andrew uh, Friday about that. It's going to be a great, great occasion, isn't oh, it? Oh, it would be a marvellous time, yeah. yeah. And uh, I suppose the ladies had a marvellous victory in the ladies' football. Yep. They're, they're absolutely on fire at the moment. Friend, yeah. uh, because uh, they after winning three times there in the all weather pitch in Fedot, and fair play to them. I think they're playing again this Sunday, so the best of luck to them. On the rugby front, friend, mm. uh, Ireland beating Wales, of course. We expected that simply because if you're if you're rated number one in the world, I just feel that uh, we're probably at the peak now and the World Cup coming up in September, where will we be by then? Because some countries out there, like France and that, they could have their eye more on the World Cup than they have on the, interna- on the international scene. That's not to say that they don't want mm. to beat Ireland tomorrow in the Viva. Indeed, they certainly do. But they have their eye on the other things. England are the same way. England have got a great draw in the World Cup, while Scot- Scotland beat them last weekend in a wonderful game of rugby uh, and that and of course what yeah. you know all of Ireland who are they shouting for flower of Scotland uh-huh. that is you know it is amazing when it comes down to that I suppose friend uh, on the uh, Greyhound scene we had wonderful crowds in Powellstone Park in Clonmel we had huge crowds at the Greyhound track uh, as well each night uh, it was certainly the place to go they were amazed at the facilities at the Greyhound Stadium it was absolutely fantastic and uh, any club out there that uh, are looking to uh, make funds and that uh, certainly a night at the dogs you can do a benefit night and all of that with, yeah. uh, with the tracks and if anyone want to talk to me about how is it run certainly uh, I'd be available to come and have a chat with them because it is a wonderful night right. but, can, uh, I, can I ask you about uh, and it's something we'll be discussing on the panel uh, later on but the Taoiseach is backing the right to buy GAA tickets with cash Johnny what are you hearing about that? Yeah, Who actually said that? Uh, well the Taoiseach is backing Leo Leo Varadkar is backing the notion now that we should be able to buy our tickets with cash A friend myself I uh, look 
I'd like to see it, but look, everything progresses. Mm. And I don't see an awful lot wrong with the system that's there. I'm not into it myself with my phone and all that thing. But I can actually go to somebody and say, listen, hey, uh, will you book me a ticket online? You know, uh, like uh, cash, I know cash is king and all of that, but Mm. at the end of the day, uh, look... Everything changes. Rugby matches the whole lot. The soccer scene changes and that internationals and uh, other things that you can do. I know in soccer sometimes and and in the junior rugby, but that is junior rugby and maybe senior uh, club rugby that uh, you pay at the gate. But uh, like it's different because uh, we say at Cashelon, a rugby club on the gate or Nina on the gate, they actually get to keep the gate themselves. But uh, like, uh, uh, I don't know about the GA. Myself, I'd I'd stick with what's there at the moment. I'll be speaking to a representative of Age Action in a moment and they're they're representing people and saying that, you know, they should reconsider the cashless uh, ticket system. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, but friend, maybe if you brought your OAP pass yeah. uh, uh, with you that you could pay the fiver at the gate because I think it's roughly half price, give or take, that you could pay the fiver cash at the gate. It's a devil to turn away someone. I've oh, seen it a couple of times at venues yeah. like that. They couldn't... Uh, um, We'll say get into this to see the match because that's the way that they have operated for forty years. So look, I don't know. It's up, it's up for the base anyway. We might um, we can't get let we can't let Tim Flights off now because he's retired. So the next man will have to, the next man will have to do it. I suppose, friend. Uh, yeah, we hadn't any, we had a couple of vic- victories in Powerstone Park where the coursing was absolutely mm. magnificent. There, Kevin Barry and Rose Green was involved. Thomas Donovan in uh, Kilfiegel had a good winner at the track uh, uh, on Monday night. And uh, that, look, the whole thing was uh, uh, an outstanding success. And of course, then John Nellen was in superb form when we called over to him. A, a wonderful show they run there himself oh, yeah. and his staff. And the park. And the park as well. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we got to the Emigrant West and Mr. Harney on the final furlong. So, friend, we tried to get in as many as we could, but it's not easy. Uh, <laughs> I said, on, on the horse front, friend, yes. I certainly must take off my hat to the Cashins, C-A-S-H-I-N. They mm. were wonderful greyhound people back through the years, but they went into the horses. They run a small show down, a nice show down there between Ballangarry and Killinall. As you go out to Ballangarry Road from Killinall, you're turn right up the hill and you keep going there for about maybe three or four miles and you'll come to their wonderful setup. Yesterday in Tullus they had a house called uh, the Corner the Cornerstone House mm. or the Cornerstone the Corner House and uh, she ran a magnificent race with young uh, the one riding uh, claiming seven pounds and uh, that shout that went up was the same as the, the one that went up in the Semple Stadium when Cashel won the Handy Cup it was unbelievable really? there like for a small establishment from your t- you're trying to take on the Willie Mullins and the Gordon yeah. Elliott's and all of those uh, like for them uh, it was absolutely brilliant but uh, I suppose but I'm just looking at a couple more things here uh, friend, uh, I want to say hello to a fellow called, and it's a grand uh, nickname, Mousy Lucknane. Mousy Lucknane. Yeah, Mousy Lucknane. <laughs> he's up there in Ross Grey. I think he has a daughter or a niece playing with the Tipperary under 16 Camogie team, and she's supposed to be uh, the Nicky English uh, of hurling, so of Camogie. So uh, fair play to her. Uh, James Lardens in Golden, uh, as I said last weekend, uh, a state of the art set up there, and uh, just any, he asked me, would I ask anybody that's passing by just to call in to say hello? and see what they have to uh, with the garage, with the new garage there. And, of course, Pat on the Banjo Road got in uh, a pallet 
of uh, pink snacks. Did he? For <laughs> his wit, his wit. My favourite. The Badger Road in Tipperary Town, of course. Yeah, he has a new set up there. Uh, uh, there, uh, you'll have to call in and see I that. I will shop. indeed. But it's it's Josephine. Night, I feel sorry for, her, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. Last night, in, uh, on our way to the jockey, uh, we called when we called into the the uh, Carcombs, we uh, met a felind of the Gower. The Gower, as you see, is an Irish for a goat, isn't it? Uh, Billy <laughs> Wright, Gower. and he's known as the Gower. The great Billy Wright? Yeah. From Dundrum? No, no, no not right. him. Okay. He, he is a different name. Nope. <laughs> but uh, the Gower was a, a great character. told his wonderful stories about the Heelys and the Bows and Athletics 40 and 50 years ago. Hey, it was unbelievable, oh, uh, the stories that go on in the pub. I have to but wrap I, up. we better mention Shawnee uh, from the Bridge House in Golden <laughs> because he stood pints the other day when I, when I bumped into you. <laughs> Yeah, and regretfully, I couldn't have one. I'll tell you, friend, I was going to Shannon Airport with a person, and uh, what did I have? Only two pints of Lucasade. I'd say I made 17 stops between Dale and Shannon Airport. I should have taken a photograph of you with a, with a pint <laughs> of Lucasade. Fran, just to finish yeah. up, the golf mm. season is kicking off. Okay. And as I said before, some fella said yesterday, he said, I missed the bloody story about the golf season kicking off. I said, look, the Pope was having an audience, and, and there was a fellow there from Two Mile Boroughs and he was back in Darden Provincial. The, the Pope looked under the peak of his cap and he said, Jesus, I'll come at this fella. And he said, uh, when he got to the Pope and he says, what's your problem? And your man said, I'm just wondering, he said, is there a golf course in heaven? Oh, Christ, said the Pope, I don't know that. But he said, look, there's an admission ticket, come back Friday. He says, and into the queue, he says, and I'll tell you. So we came back Friday and there was about 40 people in front of him, but the Pope still uh, cop your man under the peak of his cap and he said God this fellow's going back again to nine minutes. he says well Paddy how are you and Paddy says I'm flying it he said now he said your question was was there a golf course in heaven he says I have good news and bad news for you the Pope said to him or he says to the Pope and, and what's the good news the Pope said there's a 72 hole golf course in heaven he said to surround by trees and lakes and the whole lot there's six pair fives five pair fours three pair trees there's a pair two which is unusual he said another hole in one if you get that you get a chance for the day to sit beside uh, the God and uh, you can call in all your friends as they're coming up he says dying and all that thing my God he said that's absolutely brilliant he said and he said what's the bad news the Pope said to him the bad news is he said, you're teeing off in the morning at 7 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Johnny, look after yourself. Friend, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow night. We'll God. see you and, in Brew Brew tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, and I have the long John's out on the close <laughs> Good luck, Johnny. Good bye, luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The great Johnny Luby there, and he will be on stage tomorrow night in Brew Brew. God help us all. And uh, one of our listeners saying, a star will be born tomorrow night. Well, that's for sure. And people are still inquiring about tickets. No, tickets for that sold out about three weeks ago I think it is now and I know there's a big long waiting list uh, as well um, but it should be mighty crack alright we'll take a break uh, back with more in just a moment Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage Puck On you can't beat experience with over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans we like to call ourselves the experts call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, as I said to uh, Johnny Luby, 
Earlier on, the GAA is coming under pressure to reverse its decision to get rid of cash entry at match grounds. And Age Action wants the association to reconsider its cashless ticket system in order to help older supporters. Celine Clark is Head of Advocacy and Public Affairs at Age Action Ireland and joins me now. Celine, good morning to you. Good morning. And uh, good to talk to you today. What are you hearing as an organisation on this, Celine? So regularly we get contact from older people or people on behalf of older people who are highlighting to us the fact that an older person cannot buy a ticket for a GAA match at a turnstile in most circumstances. This was a policy that was introduced by the GAA last year, um, around this time last year actually, to um, have cashless turnstiles. So what that means then for the older person is that they lose their independence and autonomy and they have to rely on somebody else to get them a ticket. Um, Because what um, we find is that unfortunately the majority of people over the age of 65 experience digital exclusion, meaning that they can't, uh, don't have the skills or they can't afford to have uh, digital devices or they can't access the broadband. And so most of them don't do their business online. And that's true for um, over half of people over the age of 70. Um, so they deal in cash. They're not digitally banking. Um, so they deal in cash and they have cash in their pockets and they don't necessarily have an ATM card that they can tap mm. because, of course, they're not going online to manage their, their bank account. So they deal in cash, they pick up their pension and they manage themselves perfectly well with cash. And unfortunately, this push to be cashless um, generally across society is really um, undermining people's uh, autonomy and their independence, um, particularly for older people because age is still the, the indicator for who is digitally excluded, but it also affects what's known as the un- Bank to people that don't have a bank account. So what we've had um, stories of people, you know, cycling from mm. their home into town to get to buy a ticket on a Thursday or a Friday when they're picking up their pension, um, and buying their ticket at the shop, and then come Sunday not being able to go because they were sick, or maybe a little bit anxious about COVID because that's still there, um, and so then they're sitting there having spent some of the pension money on the tickets and they can't go. The other thing you know, is that people are relying on other people then to buy them things that they shouldn't be in the position to have to do. And the other thing is, um, like older people can also be buying other people tickets if they want to, you know, and treating grandchildren and, you know, yeah. of going out as a family and they can't do that now. Um, and mm. so the GAA has done many, many age-friendly things, but this just one issue shows that sometimes it's not just about a physical accessibility, but an invisible barrier that can exclude people. You must have been heartened by the T-shirt coming out and uh, saying that the GAA should have some provision to buy tickets in cash. That was helpful, wasn't it? I think it's good recognition politically um, of the need to maintain cash Mm. in the economy and services for people dealing in cash. Um, You know, we we know the central bank has said, look, cash is going to remain an issue um, Mm. for many people. The cash is going to remain in the economy. The Banking Retail Review, uh, conducted by the Department of Finance, recognised that demand for cash uh, use in payments is going to be uh, running for a very long time. So mm-hmm. I think anyone that's in the retail sector has to understand that cash is still um, yes. a viable 
um, method of payment for and something. And I was interested to read as well, Celine, that, you know, in the Nordic countries who were way ahead uh, of everybody else where contact payments were concerned, they're reverting back to cash now. And that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Well, again, it's because um, a lot of people don't manage their affairs digitally. Yeah. Um, and they budget in cash. And that's true particularly for low-income families, people who depend on social welfare, as the majority of older people do, for their income. So they deal in cash and it's easier to manage. Mm. You know, you put a couple of euro by in the jar for whatever that is, saving up to pay the bill. Um, and, and people really need that cash, which is why we saw the controversy around um, when AIB announced that it was going yeah. to have some branches cashless. Mm. That was quickly reversed due to the public and therefore political pressure um, to maintain access to yes. cash in communities. Have you heard and, from the GA on this, <laughs> Celine? Um, we haven't directly heard from the GA on this uh, yet. So we did write to them last year, um, I think it was January or February, when the policy was announced. Mm. And we look forward to engaging with them on this issue. As I said, you know, uh, Crow Park is recognised as an age-friendly um, stadium, one of the first in the world. And that's it's like a, a very good thing for Ireland to be seen as a leader in that space. Ireland itself is recognised as an age-friendly country by the World Health Organisation mm. through the Age-Friendly Ireland Programme. Um, which is at the whole local authority level. So there's great work being done, but in this, it's just it shows that there are invisible barriers sometimes that can okay. affect people, and this is one of those. All right, Celine, good to talk to you today, and thank you for highlighting that. Uh, Celine Clark, there, head of advocacy and public affairs at Age Action Ireland, eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. I wonder what do you think about that. Siobhan says, leave the GAA as it is as there will be no cash in back pockets, uh, which uh, has been seen since um, the booking online has started off. So there you go. And uh, that's in from uh, Siobhan, who says that Bertie Hearn, does he have a bank account now? (sighs) All right, we'll take a little break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Right, a big reaction to that conversation about uh, cashless GAA games. Uh, One of our listeners says it's not just discrimination against older people, it's discrimination against everybody of all ages. I choose not to do business through technology. Cashless society will be a massive infringement on your privacy and freedom. And every time you buy something, your bank will charge you as well. Another listener says, just wondering, and it speaks about a doctor in a Tipperary town who won't take... um, cash. Oh, I beg your pardon. Won't take a card. It's cash only. Um, and somebody wondering what the difference then is with going to a game. Um, Fran, what about storing cash in your home? And what about the bad guys and the bad girls arriving and cleaning out all of your cash? Um, what about thinking about that? Well, that's that's an interesting one as well. It's, it's not a good idea to have uh, cash, I suppose, in the house. 
Um, all right. Um, okay, much more coming into us on this. Final one from Anya. Listening to your discussion on the reintroduction of cash at uh, GAA Games, one point I would like to make is that not only is it exclusion for older people, but a lot of people like me are not very confident when ordering or doing business online with the fear of online fraud, unsure of exactly what I'm doing, and I prefer to physically deal in banks, which is becoming impossible as they guide you towards machines. By the way, I'm in my early 50s says Anya on 083 Glad to be joined now by Tipperary Fianna Fáil TD, Jackie Cahill. Good morning to you, Jackie. Good morning, Fran. Could I begin with that? I'd love to know your opinion on that uh, because the teacher came out and said maybe the GAA need to re- look at that again, uh, going cashless and the like. What, what are you hearing from your constituents on that, Jackie? Well, I think, you know, the use of cars has increased dramatically after COVID. But I think people should have the choice and you know, yeah. they're going up to a style and you have your 10 euros or 20 euros, there should be the option for you to pay that way. But, you know, obviously an awful lot more people are using cars mm. now. And um, I suppose, you know, they talked about cash in the house. Mm. You know, scams on cars are becoming very commonplace as well. So there's a danger with cars as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we seem to be getting a mixed reaction, funnily enough, to it this morning. So that's kind of interesting. Um, a few things to talk to you about, Jackie. Can I start with the GP services in Ballingarry? Because I know a lot of people are very concerned about not having a, a GP at all with the retirement of the current GP there. Um, what what are you hearing about that? Unfortunately, this has happened in an awful lot of rural areas. When a GP retires, we find it makes so impossible to get a young, a young, a quad, newly qualified GP to take up the practices. And I suppose, you know, if you went back 30, 40 years ago, these rural practices, they were the envy of GPs and they were fighting to get, yeah. you know, dispensaries in rural areas. But this, you know, this is an issue that needs to be addressed. The administrative burden is on these practices. I think, you know, rural practices, which wouldn't have the same number of GPs as large urban practices, I think the HSE needs to look at giving a subvention to help with administrative costs and, you know, it might help to make it more attractive. But we have to look at the attractiveness of rural areas for GPs. It's becoming a growing problem. We saw it in Gordon Who there a number of years ago and they joined up, um, you know, they're covered now by a practice um, out of Kilkenny City. In Town as well, Jackie, there were issues there some years ago. Uh, still after, yeah. and we had an amalgamation of a practice there, and um, their practice is actually overworked, and it's very hard to mm. get access to the GP there. So, you know, there is there has been huge problems there. You know, we've, we've seen it all over the county, but it's a countrywide, it's a countrywide issue, um, and getting GPs to take up, um, take up, um, in, in, to enter into practice is an issue. And, you know, remuneration has to be looked at as well, because young graduates are looking overseas, whether mm. it's in Canada, Dubai, Australia, whatever, and seeing, you know, that they can earn, earn more money there for, num- uh, for a number of years. And unfortunately, you know, if young GPs, um, when they graduate, emigrate, they don't always come back. And that's the great pity. But should we put something in place that obliges them to stay for X amount of time? Because, I mean, we're training them here, but we're training them for other jurisdictions, Jackie. Yeah, I think that's a very valid point. Um, you know, I think we've seen it being introduced in other countries where you have to spend, well, it's just three or five years, um, you know, working in, in, in the country that educated you. And I think that's something that needs to be looked at going forward. Mm. And, um, you know, I think... It, definitely, where where students, you know, are availing of the excellent education system we have here, I think it wouldn't be unreasonable to expect them to, to, you know, to work here for a number of years after qualifying. Yeah, I understand. Following a PQ from Matty, in fact, the minister says uh, that the HSE has advertised uh, this post, all right, but not even one application. 
Yeah, no, that has been the case. We saw in Templemore the same thing, Fran, there, you know, when, when Joe Hennessy retired in Templemore, yeah. again, just failed to, to, to get any applicant that was interested in taking up what was a single doctor practice in Templemore and, a, you know, a very large practice. So, you know, it's on this, this, this Barangali, unfortunately, isn't the first and won't be the last, in, in, you know, unless we go back and look at exactly what's available for young graduates. Right. But we're, we're all told that we need to look to primary care to keep people out of the, the A&Es and out of the hospitals and stuff. And this is the most basic primary care. So we really need well, something to be done on this. Well, that's a very valid point. Primary care most definitely won't work without GPs. And they're the first cog in the wheel and the most, essential, the most essential cog to try and keep people in their own homes and avoid having to go to A&E. Yeah. But as I said, you know, this is an issue that needs a full review by the HSC. And, you know, we've we've seen, and even as you said, in, in you know, in a, in a large, in a relatively large town like Turles, it's becoming extremely, it's extremely difficult to attract um, graduates out of the major open centres. But is there a plan, Jackie? I mean, even when I put you there by obliging newly trained doctors to, to spend X amount of time, is there any plan that you know of to, to do something about this? Well, I have seen, I, I, to straight answer this, fine, I've seen nothing on the table yet as regards a, a new remuneration package for GPs. And I think it has to be biased in favour of, of, of the rural areas. I have seen nothing on the table yet as this, but, you know, again, Ballangari now will highlight it again. And, you know, we will raise this in the doll in the coming weeks. Okay. And Is I this something you will bring up? Yes, I will, Fran. And, you know, when we were in Templemore there, you know, in Templemore when Joe Hennessy retired, yeah. we were banging the table and, you know, they, you know, we failed, we failed to get any progress. But it's, it's just an issue that can't be continued to be ignored. And as you said, primary care will be the sufferer. Can I ask you about the Templemore uh, pool saga as well? Where are we now with that? Well, I suppose, you know, some people there stayed in November that was all started. And unfortunately, the kids aren't back swimming in the pool yet. I had I had Deirdre and three principals of, of, of primary schools and ever more. We met Minister Harris on Wednesday on it. The, school, the schools will be in in the very near future. And I suppose the point the principal were making was that come next September, they don't want the same slag again. You know, they want to get there to have access in immediately. The school reopens reopens in September. And I suppose I just want to mention as well that, you know, the pitches that the Garda Colleges have in Templemore, a number of clubs there in Templemore, the Brackens, the Camogie Club, the Ladies Football Club, Harps, Templemore Athletic Club, they are all looking to get access to the infrastructure they have as well there. And I think, you know, that, that, that that's lying idle at the moment and it is an utter shame. Mm. But look, the pool, um, I'm... I'm very hopeful and confident now that the schools will have access to the pool. Now, the, le- the lessons that were going on on Friday evening there, um, you know, like um, um, swimming, swimming lessons on Friday evening, we haven't got that resolved as of yet. Right. And the points were made very forcibly that the delegation to Minister Harris on Friday, that, you know, this was an essential part of teaching the young people of Templemore, of Templemore how to swim. 800 are on the waiting list to get in for that. And Minister Harris assured us he would talk to the, the Garda authorities and hopefully get half resolved. Right. But Michael Lowry um, sent a press release that said that the OPW has now approved and signed licences for use of the pool with the three schools. Is that accurate? Well, you know, the same was said last November. Um, the kids haven't back in swimming in the pool yet, Fran. And until the kids are swimming in the pool, I won't take anything has been, has been decided. You know, we were told last November, you know, they were coming in immediately. This is now the second week of February and they're still not back in the pool. But Minister Harris assured the delegation on, on, on Wednesday that they will have access to the pool in the very near future and that the licences have been issued. But the kids aren't back in there swimming as of yet, Fran. Yeah, because uh, I think you were with um, Michal Martin when he 
was Taoiseach and he, he said he couldn't see why there would be an impediment to this happening. No, and, um, you know, this, I, I mean, it's hard to fathom why the Garda College have changed the traditions since the, since the 60s when locals used the facilities of the college. And, you know, there was an excellent relationship between the community and the college, and this has been damaged by this saga. And, you know, that point was made very forcibly by Deirdre and, and our companions on, on Wednesday. But I think the college needs to get back in, 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 um, in connectivity with the local community and allow the facilities to be used in a reasonable fashion by the local community as it always was. Yeah, and, and even if the schools are allowed back there, the swimming classes, is it the commercial nature of the swimming classes that is the problem? Yeah, that was the point that was made by Minister Harris on, on Wednesday, that they can't have a, a, a for-profit um, activity happening in the college. But, you know, the reality is this was done, um, you know, community-based efforts. It was done. There was no one making a fortune out of it. There would be expenses in running, you know, having a lifeguard there, they expect that there would be expenses in running any classes. So there has to be some form of payment. But no one was making money out of this. And hopefully by September we can show that this a non-profit um, venture and that we can get the licence issued. Right. And are you sure of that? Are you? Well, um, have around a while until I see things happening. Mm-hmm. I never I never put out my head and say this is going to happen until we actually see it happening. Oh. But Minister Harris was very forthcoming that there will be um, stringent efforts made to make sure that this happens for September. Right. But I was in Templemore recently and the... I, uh, the notion I got from talking to people was that locals were very unhappy because, as you pointed out, the tradition of using the pool there, you know. Yeah, and even Fran, when you go to the local suppliers, find it, supplying food to the college. A number of years ago, there was a decision taken to um, centrally locate the, the supply of products yeah. to the college. That hasn't worked in, 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 in practice, and now they're going back um, looking for local suppliers to supply again. So they, they recognise the other ways in the, in the regard of food into the college. And I think they have to recognise that they need the local community as much as the local community need their facilities. Well, that's interesting. Is there a change then in terms of having to tender? For, for yeah, but some, some local suppliers are back in the college and, um, you know, they, they have contacted other suppliers to, to tender again. So I think the centralisation and the, the quality of the service they were getting and the quality, quality of the product they were getting did not match up what the locals were supplying. Well, that's some good news anyway. Um, before I let you go, can I ask you about, I suppose, one of the big political stories of the week is the return of Bertie Ahern to the Fianna Fáil fold. Personally, what do you make of that, Jackie? Well, I think Bertie has a lot to offer and, you know, he's been working behind the scenes for the last number of years on Brexit and the protocol, uh, etc. And, you know, he has a great reputation. He was one of the key people in delivering the Good Friday Agreement of 25 years ago. And, you know, we are, you know, talking about having border poles and, you know, trying to achieve United Ireland. We need a person who can talk to the unions, who the unions trust. And, you know, we have people there talking about border poles at the moment and they can't get the assembly up and running in the north. So I think Bertie, and along with others, like we have with our own Martin Manzer, who played a key part in the Good Friday Agreement sure, as well. Yeah. But he has a huge reputation here. You know, we delivered peace on the island and I think he has a key role to play mm. in trying to achieve the primary goal of Fianna Fáil, which is a united Ireland. So do you, do, you, do you see him having a role then within the party? I mean, you mentioned the unions there, you mentioned negotiation, which was his thing, I suppose. Um, do you see him having a, a practical role within the party? I do. He's, he's in constant discussions with the unions on, on, on the protocol at the moment. 
and I see him having a role to play, you know, as an Ireland or an Ireland envoy with within, you know, as we try to advance, you know, better cooperation north and south and getting towards our goal of United Ireland. I see Bertie having a key role there. And, you know, there's not an awful lot of politicians in the South that can sit down with juniors and be fully trusted. Bertie is one of those, and I think we need to use their expertise in that, in, in, in that sphere. But what about him being trusted in the Republic? I mean, the amount of lampooning that has gone on since the announcement was made, you know, about uh, the Mahan Tribunal, obviously, and brown envelopes and all sorts of stuff and bank accounts. And, yeah, like, is that not always going to taint him, Jackie? Well, look, the man to tribunal happened before I became a TD. You know, they had our findings there. He contested those findings. He didn't agree with them. I would like to just judge him on his record of it, uh, as, as a diplomat and as a negotiator. He has delivered an awful lot for this country. His reputation will stand up to scrutiny as regards the delivery of the Good Friday Agreement and, you know, peace to this, to this island. And I'd like him to see him progress in that. The man is now in his 70s. I think he has a lot to deliver to us. And I would like, you know, we can advance cooperation between North and South. That's what we all want to achieve. All right. Jackie, good to talk to you today, and we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Good, good morning to you. That's uh, Tipperary Fianna Fáil TD, Jackie Cahill, speaking to us there. What do you think about that? 83 311 News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Carmina Marga, Pat, and you're very welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Now, quite a reaction uh, to Jackie Cahill's. Uh, chat with me there. We spoke about several different things, but what's emerging um, for most of our correspondence is about Bertie Hearn. Um, Joe was in Newtown. He says, bringing back Bertie Hearn is the last sting of a dying wasp, uh, says uh, Joe. Um, uh, Terry was on to us to say, great to hear Jackie speaking about a united Ireland. Is there a new impetus from uh, Fianna Fáil about that now. Well, well, Martin was always kind of watery enough about it, I suppose, uh, to some degree. Um, And people wondering about um, Bertie Hearn and the presidency. You know, that's an interesting one. I I can't see that happening. I genuinely can't. Because, I mean, in a debate situation, what do you think they're going to uh, put to him, first of all? Only the results of the Mahan Tribunal and all of the the argy-bargy around that. Um, I mean, I, I, I just can't say, but then again, maybe stranger things have happened. 83 311 Robert Williams is a professional mind reader and he's also big in to dream analysis and he uses his intuition combined with his uh, uh, skills to tap into thoughts and all of that kind of thing and I'm delighted to speak to him. Now, Robert, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Fran. Very nice to speak with you again. Yeah. I hope you're doing well. I'm, do- I'm doing very well indeed, Robert, and good to talk to you today. First of all, can we speak about uh, dreams? Wh- what is the purpose, as you see it, of, of mm. us dreaming, Robert? Yeah, well, you're right. In many ways, dreams get a bad rap because 
I suppose you have two people in separate distinct camps and the first camp is people who think it's just all rubbish and then you have the other camp who maybe just buy into it a little bit too much. But essentially, Fran, if you think about the dream process, that gets to the truth of the matter. So right now we're operating on the conscious mind, which is helping us make decisions and keep us in line. But when we go to sleep at night, this conscious mind switches off and the subconscious takes over. Now, the subconscious is always on. It records everything that we do throughout the day, all sights and sounds and all the rest of it. So essentially, when we sleep, the subconscious is trying to make sense of the day, and then it, we get created the images and the, the storylines and all that goes with the dream process. And I've always believed that a dream, essentially, is the subconscious trying to alert us to stuff that we're most likely not dealing with in our waking life. That's really the essence of a dream. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there's, there's other parts of the dream that are still a little bit unexplained, particularly the precognitive dream, whereas the dream where you dream of an event or a person... And that exactly event or a person that you dreamt of actually comes to pass. Now, again, that's still unexplained. Nobody can understand that. Is that intuition of some kind? Um, I suppose in a wider context, it could be a form of intuition, but it's it's even deeper than that in the sense that, and I used to have a clinic in Kildare, I used to speak to people who would tell me in advance of the dream that they had, and this would actually come to pass. So it is one of the, the, I sense it's the last part of the dream process that we still don't actually understand. Now, it doesn't happen all that often, but when it does, it's, it's quite shocking and unexplainable. It really is. Why are dreams abstract, Robert? You know, why why aren't they plain speaking? Yeah, well, and it's Sigmund Freud, actually, who was one of the, I suppose, the gurus around with dreams, had said that the more bizarre the dream, the more it's based in reality. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning. If you consider the subconscious mind, which is part of us, it's not a separate entity, it's part of us, it's always on, it just never switches off. And even what we're doing right now is talking over a telephone line and perhaps you're gazing at a microphone or I'm mm. gazing at a computer screen. Yeah. All of that stuff has been taken in by the subconscious at the subconscious level. And... That in itself is quite obscure because it doesn't really make a lot of sense. We're, we're looking at something, but we're still talking. So when we dream at night, this stuff is trying to be made sense of by the subconscious. And that's why you get sometimes you wake up in the morning and you say, I had the most bizarre dream. And really, it doesn't mean anything because I can't understand what it could actually be saying. And that, of course, is where dream analysis comes in. Yeah, I spoke to the psychologist, uh, Tony Humphrey, Dr. Tony Humphreys uh, recently. I mean, he's of the opinion that uh, dreams are what it's all about and dreams should guide us and do guide us. Um, yeah. Would you go along with all of that? To a greater or lesser extent, I would. Although, as I said at the beginning, it's unfortunate because the whole dream process has been sabotaged by certain groups or certain people who, like I said, you've, you've got both camps. Some people are just completely say it's absolute rubbish, you've got to get on with it. It doesn't mean anything. But the other camp is equally as dangerous because they try to make out that it's completely mystical and we need to live our lives by them. Mm. My sense of it always has been is the subconscious trying to tell us, as I said, what we need to address in our waking life. And really, all dreams, including nightmares, by the way, are empowering. Because if you have a nightmare, and it's a continual nightmare, you can be absolutely certain that there's a, period, a part of your life that you're not actually dealing with properly. And this is your subconscious telling you when you're in a relaxed state, you better deal with this stuff. And remember, when we dream at night, or even sleep, from, it's the body is repairing itself. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's why sleeping is so, so important, because we've got to repair certain cells in our body. And when we sleep, that's exactly what's happening. And if you even want to go further into this and think about the dream process and how over the years the, the whole dream concept has been somewhat lost in, in what I feel is unfortunate situations. But if you think about even common phrases we would use, people might say, oh, I've got a problem, but I'm going to sleep on it. Yeah, that, that in itself kind of belies what I'm just saying, that when you sleep, you seem to find the answers. Isn't that very interesting indeed? What about people who might say to you, I don't dream at all, like I, I never remember dreams and, you know. Well, we do all dream. 
dream, apart from those unfortunate who have any form of a neurological condition. So mm-hmm. we do all dream, there's no question of that. Um, but there's a small percentage of people who don't, but in the main we do. And I've always said to people who, and it's a very common thing, people often say, Fran, you know, I, I think I dreamt, but I don't actually remember what I dreamt. So I think the simple remedy to that is just have a little pen and paper right beside your bedside at night time. And when you wake up, and it's really, I mean this in a literal sense, literally when you wake up, you've got to get the pen and paper and write down any of the imagery or any of the, the, the storyline that you had from the dream. Put it down because if you start doing it after you get up or you pull the curtains, you'll lose it. And all of this stuff will just be imagination then. So we do all dream. There's no question of that. Unless we have an underlying neurological condition that prevents it. 98% of us all dream. Yeah, I, I thought I didn't dream all that much, but again, I was told lately that if you ask yourself or if you question yourself before you go to sleep yeah. and say, I will remember my dreams, in fact, that, that works. At least it worked for me anyway. It's a terrific point, Fran, and it touches on something that, again, I used to tell people so many times, it sounds so simplistic and it also sounds a bit ridiculous, but it does work. Mm. And all you're doing is you're commanding your subconscious, and sometimes people misunderstand the subconscious. It is part of us. It's, all it is is part of our mind, and as you correctly said, if you're having problems trying to remember your dreams, before you go to sleep at night, just before you drop off, it's a bit difficult to get it at the beginning, but just before you drop off in the hypnagogic state, you tell your subconscious, I'm going to dream tonight, I'm going to remember my dream. Now, it also works the other way as well. If somebody's having a recurrent nightmare, and there's, there's a distinct difference between nightmares and night terrors. Night terrors are almost uncontrollable. But a nightmare, you can actually stop them as well by doing the exact same process you said. Just before you go to sleep at night, you tell your subconscious, I'm not going to dream this dream anymore. And over a short period of time, that dream will cease. That's very interesting. I'm delighted to hear that because I have a blooming recurring dream about snakes. I hate the things. And mm. whenever I'm tired or anxious or under pressure, well, they, they, that comes up all the time. So can you change that then? Can you? You can. You, and it's very interesting insofar as isn't it an amazing trigger that when you have a bit of stress in your life or you're feeling anxious or maybe you're trying to work to a deadline or maybe you have a new program coming, whatever it happens to be that's causing you stress, you can be almost certain that just as you go to sleep at night, you'll dream of snakes. Always, now, yeah. You see, what that is really, Fran, it goes back to what I said at the beginning. It's your sub- it's very empowering, even though it's a little bit distressful and it's not quite pleasant, but it's your subconscious. It's your part of your mind telling you, deal with the stuff in the wake in life. Don't let it get on top of you. And obviously, this is the whole way of it being transmitted in the dream process. So anytime you dream of snakes, for example, you can be sure that you're under some form of stress. There is a way to prevent it. It's what we said already. You've got to tell your subconscious. And then that goes into another part of the dream process, which can be called lucid dreaming. Now, lucid dreaming essentially is training yourself to be, this sounds a real paradox, but to be asleep, sorry, to be awake while you're asleep. So you're actually directing the dream. Um, slightly different than what you're asking, but it's another fascinating part of dreaming. What? So you can control it to yeah. a certain degree, can you? Well, to a full degree. You can actually, it's called lucid dreaming. So wow. there's a lot to it, and we probably don't have time on, on the line now, but essentially I've, I've met lots of people who've done it. And what it is, is really like you become a director of your own movie. So when you're asleep, well, you're supposed to be asleep, but you're actually awake. You're controlling all the elements of the dream, who you bring in, who you kick out. But the problem is, in terms of, you can't do dream analysis and that because you, you've literally just imagined it as you went along. So there's no real process for the subconscious to take over in that regard. Isn't it absolutely fascinating altogether? Um, we said yesterday you were coming on, Robert, and we had a whole load of dreams uh, sent in to us for, for analysis. Can I go through a few of them with you? Yeah, of course, okay? absolutely, no problem. Um, one says, I always dream I'm late for work and I'm chasing my tail around the place. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and this, this goes into, I, I've always tried to tell people that there's, there's a very 
common set of dreams that you will find. And being late, from memory, I sense it's around the seventh or eighth most common dream. It borders a little bit on what you were saying about the snake situation. This is all about being under stress, under pressure, and it's actually a little bit different insofar as dreaming of, of something that you would find disturbing because dreaming of being late all the time, you will find that this caller is somebody who's probably a little bit hard on themselves, somebody who doesn't necessarily relax when they should, and more or less is letting other people's opinions on them maybe come out in the dream process. So the best thing to tell that caller would be to just, and I know it sounds simplistic, just to relax, don't let it all get on top of you. And if you do that, honestly, if, if the caller was to do that, even for a weekend, for example, that dream simply doesn't come back. But it's a very, very common dream, very common. Uh, one that I, I wouldn't have thought is all that common, and I was fascinated by it. It says, I sometimes dream I have a newborn baby or a baby pops up, but I have no recollection of how the baby got there and I have to look after it. Sometimes at the end, it turns into a doll. Turns into a doll. A doll, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very common. This, this is, is it? Oh, very common. And Well, there's, there's different aspects, but the same commonality exists where in that particular dream, you can be pretty certain the person is... is and by the way, Fran, when I'm online, and, and you'll understand this, there's certain parts of maybe a person's dream I won't go into too much in depth because a lot of these dreams can be personal and of it course. tells a lot about the yes. person, although this is anonymous. We don't know what we're talking about. Mm. So the fact is this person, whoever it is, if somebody wants to reinvent part of their life, they're not happy with where they are at this stage of their life, and they're just looking to see can they achieve a little bit more. The unfortunate part is when it turns into a doll, this again is the subconscious alerting the, the, the person to say, look, you're, not, you, you're thinking about changing your life, but you're not actually doing anything about it because you're just going to revert back to type. So again, it goes back to what I said about this empowering aspect of dreams. If the person must actually make a firm decision to change their life, to reinvent whatever part of their life they want for the better, that dream may remain in terms of the baby, but it certainly doesn't turn into a doll anymore. It's all about getting a second go at life and making sure you're happy with where you are. It's a really, as I said, an empowering dream and one that whoever the caller is should really take note of because it's quite important. Somebody else said to us, I always dream of people close to me dying and it terrifies me, but I'm wondering what it means. It doesn't really mean a huge amount. Well, first of all, it does not going to happen in the literal sense. It, it, you've got to get more into the minutiae of the dream and maybe get into the caller. A lot of times you'll have new mothers or new parents, for example, having that dream with their newborn baby dying. All it really is, Fran, without going into a big, long monologue, is that it's to show and demonstrate the love that they have for the people around them, particularly with the parents, the love for the, the child. And it's a little bit of anxiety coming through the dream, but it's not to be taken in the literal sense at all. Right, an interesting question from a listener here. Um, will you ask your speaker, do people with autism dream? Yes, of course, they, they would certainly have dreams and you would find that people who have autism would have even more vivid and, and much more colourful and imaginative dreams and, and some of these dreams can be actually wild and wonderful. Um, again, that gets into the whole aspect of the dreams and some parts of the dream process that we don't understand. So the quick answer to that is yes, that would be the case. All right, lots, lots more. Uh, I have a dream where I get kidnapped or attacked uh, but I'm unable to scream for help. I end up waking up screaming the next morning. Pure and utter stress and panic. If, if the person, there's, there's two faults. If the person is still in their working life, you'll find that there's lots of stuff happening at work that they feel they've been somewhat censored by. Maybe they have a bad boss. Maybe there's a few colleagues that they're not getting along with. And they're really not speaking their truth. If you have somebody, for example, who's retired, you'll find that these people are becoming a bit nostalgic looking back on their life and realising there was parts of their life that they could have changed if only they would have spoken up. So, again, even though it's a very empowering dream, Fran, it doesn't mean anything unless the person acts upon it. So particularly the person who's still in, in, a, in a working life, they need to reassess where they are, and particularly the people working around them. 
uh, a very long story short, I remember a very similar dream for a person who came to me in a very, very distressed state. Even when they woke or when they tried to explain the dream to me, they couldn't quite verbalise it. It transpired that they were walking for a really, really, really nasty bus, and that's essentially what was happening. When they were going home at night, it was all coming back into their mind, and they just felt completely silenced by this person. But they got better anyhow. Some dreams are pleasant. One of our listeners said, I had a dream I was swimming in the sea and a load of whales came over. It was a pleasant experience and the most pleasant I ever had. We were all swimming together. Yeah, beautiful. And, and you'll find that that person in, in their part of their life right now or right then was in a very, very good place. This again, it's, it's, on one level, Fran, it sounds very simplistic, but it, it does really underpin everything I've said about the subconscious, which of course is a part of our mind, really giving us a, a guided tour as to where our lives are at the moment and the stuff that we need to repair. Like I said about the nightmares, the nightmare is really, if you can imagine somebody shouting at you to say, you've got to fix this, you've got to fix this. Whoever had that dream was definitely in a good part of their life. All right. I'm fascinated with some of this stuff. And listeners, says, a dream about bats hanging from the ceiling all over the house um, and particularly their faces. Now, they're not flying. They're just still, I can't get it out of my head. It was just awful. Yeah, it's, it's not a very pleasant dream in that regard. And when we dream of houses, by the way, particularly if it's a house we recognise, we go back to the paternal time when we were younger with our parents. There's most likely an aspect of that dream where, and again, this is okay because I don't know who the person is and you haven't given any names. You'll probably find, friend, that this person maybe didn't have the best of childhoods growing up in the particular house. And there's a lot of, I say, unresolved issues going on, particularly when they think about episodes in their younger life, particularly around the house. And the idea that bats just sitting silent would be very much representative of that. I know I'm probably repeating the point, but it is important, particularly if that caller is listening in. Try and fix that insofar as try and look back in that period of your life and see if there are any parts of it that you still maybe haven't worked out for yourself. If you do that, again, that dream will cease. All right. Uh, final one, if you would. Margaret says, um, I gave years dreaming I was outside of my granny's house. I knew she was dead, but she was inside the house and I just couldn't go in. I wouldn't go in. Yeah, and this probably is most likely touching on the aspect of and by the way, Fran, I should say, before I answer that, if anybody wants to get any further clarity on this, of course, my website's available for that. But this would, this would definitely dwell on the aspect of this caller taking their grandmother's death extremely bad and not necessarily wanting to pass the threshold of realising that their grandmother has moved on. That's all that means. And this is very common when it comes to people who have lost loved ones. It will happen in many, many different episodes where you'll dream of your loved one in different storylines all the time. But the common theme throughout is you miss this person terribly. That's all it comes back to. All right, just another, if you would. Brian was on to us and he says, as a young child I had a recurring dream almost every night. It was an absolutely flat, calm, immense ocean. A ripple would rise on the horizon and slowly move towards me. The nearer it got, the more terrifying it got. And just as it reached me, I would wake up. It was horrific. Uh, It did stop, but it still frightens me to think of it to this day, just in case it returns. Well, as we said, Fran, it won't return if he commands his subconscious, but it could very well return in the sense that if he hasn't dealt with some of the, and again, we've been mindful of where I phrased this, if he hasn't dealt with some of the issues perhaps that was going on in his younger life, there's always an episode that could recur like that. Um, I would say to the caller, definitely look back at that period of your life and see what little, it could have been even a school trauma, it could have been something happening in the school, stuff that would have happened in his life that he couldn't quite control and he was unhappy with, and this almost seemed like it was coming upon him and he'd no control over it. And I think that's the best way of answering it. I wanted to leave time to ask you about another aspect of what you do, Robert, which is mind reading. Um, yes. Is, is that a trick or is that something that you can genuinely do? 
It's a fantastic question, Fran. And, and in many regards, well, first of all, I, I would do a lot of shows. I've done a lot of shows all over the world, in fact. And, of course, for a show, think of the word, it is a show. Some of it will be for entertainment purposes, but a lot of it I genuinely can do because I don't want to sound like I'm an elitist or I'm better than anybody else because, of course, I'm not. But we all have ESP. We all have extrasensory perception. I just happen to have it all in my life, and I've used it all in my life. There is some situations where you have to perhaps use some some of the tools at your disposal to get the answer from the person, but I've been shown over many, many times over the years where I can just literally go meet a person and then tell them a little bit what they're thinking. I don't believe, Fran, in essence, you can read somebody's mind in entirety because we have thousands of thoughts a day. That's just mm. not possible. But in a, in a given set of circumstances, you could certainly get a person to think of a thought or a name, and there's no way in the world that I don't feel I could fail at that if I had the right situation. So, yeah, I, a lot of it is very much real, but if we all have this, then in a show context, well, of course, you have to have use some of the skills you have to make it happen. Yeah, and what do you use then? Is it the subtleties of body language? Or subtleties exactly. of, is, is that what it is? Yeah. And conditioning and perhaps using a certain sentence to invoke a certain reply. Stuff like that can... But again, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a, excuse the language, ballsy approach because you yeah. don't really have anything to fall back on. But it's like everything, Fran. The more you do it and the more years you have behind you, it becomes a lot easier to do. But uh, you've touched on a really good point. We do all of the ESP. We all have that intuition. Some people decide to use it, some, just like the dream. Some people decide to dismiss it. But it doesn't negate the fact that we're all born with it. It just depends on how we use it. Yeah, it scared the wits out of me recently. Uh, just last week, in fact, I, I was thinking about somebody I hadn't met mm-hmm. in four or five years, and she rang later that afternoon. Yeah. I mean, yeah. really, really strange, you know. Well, it's, it's, it's literally thought transfers. And again, like we live in the modern age, and we have all the electricity, and we I want to say, sorry, all the electronics around us. It's very, very different. If you go back on some of the old books and to turn of the 19th century and so on, you will find this form of telepathy very, very very much a commonplace. Um, we don't have time now, but I could give you many stories that have been recorded where this stuff where you're saying has actually come to pass. And again, it's not to be afraid of, Fran. It's just something that's just part of us. We're born with it. it. People call it a sixth sense, but then you start getting into the supernatural world. It becomes dangerous, I feel. You should just look upon it as an additional sense that we have, because that's all it is. Fascinating. If people want to make contact with you or find out more about what you do, Robert... Thanks, Fran. So I can be found on robertwilliamsmentalist.com. That's robertwilliamsmentalist.com. And even if a dream that perhaps somebody sent in that I haven't elaborated on for obvious reasons, mm. send that over and I'll do my best to reply. All right, you're very good. Great to talk to you today, Robert. Thank Thanks, you. Good Thank morning you very to much. you. Bye-bye. All the best. You know, Bye-bye. Robert Williams uh, speaking to us there. Robert, mind reader, mentalist, and indeed dream uh, analyzer as well. All right, we'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie um, When I was speaking to uh, Deputy Jackie Carl there, he was at pains to point out that uh, Fianna Fáil uh, advocate for a united Ireland um, one of our listeners on to say clearly this is an attempt to challenge Michal Martin Fianna Fáil doesn't have the courage to tap him on the shoulder and ask him to step aside it's comical to see O'Callaghan lauding Bertie last night clearly Fianna Fáil now realise how much trouble that they're in this will finish them off well it was also interesting to see that Leo Varadkar um, sort of dismissed his comments from I think it was about 2008 where he compared uh, Bertie to the criminal uh, Gilligan 
And uh, he seems to have sort of backed off that now and said, well, you know, uh, Fianna Fáil entitled to have whoever they want in their party. Uh, This is kind of heartbreaking in its own way. Fran, my daughter in heaven uh, appeared to me before my brother died and my brother appeared to me in my dreams when my uncle died. And I'd love to know more about that. I mean, were were you terrified about that? Or, you know, how did you feel about that at the time? All right, lots more coming into us. We'll take a break and then Andrew will join me. We'll be chatting about uh, the Grammys and indeed the death of the great master songwriter, Bert Bacharach. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, welcome back. Glad to be joined by our own Andrew Luby in studio. Andrew, how are you? Good morning, Fran. We were going to talk all about the Grammys, but then, of course, uh, Bert Bacharach has uh, passed Yeah, the, the news came like reasonably uh, late yesterday. Uh, well, it was about lunchtime when I heard, and uh, I would have liked to like, do a whole piece on, yeah. on, on the passing of Bert Bacharach. And sure, maybe we will... Uh, some other times. So, like the great Burt Bacharach, I mean, what can you say that hasn't already been said about Burt Bacharach? Speaking of Grammys, actually, he won six Grammys. Did he? I was wondering about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Six Grammys, uh, three Oscars. Uh, This might surprise you because it doesn't sound like a whole lot. Seven number one hits, but, like, they're the number ones that he had in the States. But, of course, he had loads of songs that were in top ten you know, at the time, at different times, Mm. uh, down through the years. I mean, huge success. Like, people talk about Lennon McCartney. They talk about, I mean, who else am I trying to think of? Maybe great songwriting. Mm. I mean, uh, Carol King, Jerry Goffin, Mm. you know, people that have worked together. And I think himself and Hal David, like, will possibly go down as the greatest songwriting team of all time. Mm. Like, I, I can't really think of anybody that had... But it's interesting that David doesn't get the, the recognition. Sure he doesn't, you know. Uh, our friend Brian Cleary texted me yesterday. Yeah. And it was the first thing I said to Brian on the text. I said, as Gas I said that, you know, Hal David doesn't really get it. But I also think, and I said back to Brian, maybe it's just like the Bernie Taupin kind of relationship. Well, maybe he, John, maybe yeah. he didn't Maybe he didn't want it. Yeah, maybe so. It's quite possible that he didn't want that, you know what I mean? And when you think of these songs, you think of Burt Bacharach, obviously, but you don't think of the lyrics. And Hal David wrote the lyrics for mm, all these, mm, uh, and like mm. amazing amazing songs but mm. that's not taken of course Pro- better. probably a possibility is that Burt Bacharach he was a larger than life character I mean he was a star himself he was a star he? himself you know yeah. and and that's I think that's it and Hal David wasn't really and he was married four or five times mm. and do you know what I mean and like women and partying and yeah. rubbing shoulders with, with the good and the great and all that kind of thing that was his thing he was mm. a bit he was a bit of a star mm. you know Um like a lot of these guys, uh, perfectionist, absolutely uh, perfectionist. I've got, I, I did have time to get a short little clip. It's a very short little clip of uh, an interview there with him, um, with uh, CBS. Do you know that sixty minutes show? Now sure. this, now this is about twenty years ago, where he speaks of that perfection. One, two, one, to him, even the songs he's performed ten thousand times never sound exactly right. Oh, no, I can't, we can't play the chords we're playing. Do you ever just sit around and listen to your music? Do you ever just put on a backrack record? No, you know, I've been exposed to it so much, and I'll, I'll also see the pimples on it. Still? Yeah. Even yeah. if you've produced it and you've yeah, made Yeah, also, uh, Leslie, I used to make these records. Come back to my apartment. 4.30 in the morning, I would wake up like that. God, 
Why did I put the strings in, in the second eight? Why didn't I save them? And you really would wake up in the middle of the night and say, I made one mistake and you really agonize over it. Oh, torture. They, they say. So um, complete uh, perfection. Absolutely. Uh, so look, some of the songs. I mean, I mean not everybody's familiar, maybe, with uh, Burt Bacharach, mm. but I mean, they're going to know the songs. Yeah, I course. mean, there is too many. Like I've just written down a couple here that came to to mind. Uh, Walk on by, uh, say a little prayer. Of course, uh, Dionne Warwick, as I would call her, Warwick. I think mm. the American spells of Warwick. Um, she had this um, great relationship with him. Mm. Seven Hal David too did a lot of his. Scylla Black did some stuff with him. Um, Herb, Herb Albert mm. Um, mm. They, this guy's in love uh, raindrops keep falling on my head B.J. Um, Thomas yeah. B.J. Thomas yeah. um, Alfie of course yeah. uh, was there too uh, the Carpenters Karen Carpenter Close oh, to yeah, You Close to You what a song I mean um, song. this guy's in love The Look of Love Dusty mm. Springfield did that um, Make It Easier on Yourself Walker Brothers did it that was, mm. that was one of their songs as well I mean the list is just endless absolutely endless will we play a clip of just yeah, some of the big songs it. that you might know yeah let's do it okay That's it, like that's when I say the probably the greatest uh, yeah. songwriter and, and sophisticated songs. Do you yeah, know it's, cr- it's not incredible. Not and listen, you know, I'm not patronising you, but you're going to have a better ear than than me when it comes to this kind of thing. The arrangements are just oh, incredible. Stop. Yeah, well, he had a classical music background, yeah. of course, as you know. Yeah. I think well, was he musical director for was it Marilyn Dietrich? I think, um, yeah, it? and I I had a clip actually I was going to play. I didn't yeah. know if we had time where she introduced him on stage. Uh, oh, Marilyn right. Dietrich, the, the wonderful German actress and, yeah. and singer too. So like he's God, he's he's been around, hasn't he? Yeah, as you say, we could spend the entire slot uh, speaking about and, him. And but, as uh, just before we finish on it, like, and as again, I know I've said it already, that as you listen to those songs, Hal David is the guy who wrote the lyrics for yeah. all those songs, and as you rightly said, he never quite got, no. you know, the praise. But, or, but lyricists don't, for the, because you mentioned Tim Rice and uh, yeah. and uh, all these guys, yeah. which, you know, anyway. Hal, Hal David was 91 when he died in 2012, and uh, Burt Bacharach died on Wednesday, 94, 94. So, the Grammys. The Grammys. Mm. Um, just, can you set up the Grammys? for What exactly uh, are the Grammys? I think there's a confusion. Uh, a uh, load of nonsense, yeah. uh, really. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? Well, good luck then, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. all right. This is, uh, <laughs> time for news, is it? Um, look, setting up the Grammys. The Grammys yeah. is, 
is the Grammys, but for me, it's got a little bit more bizarre um, as the years have gone by. Yeah. I mean, there was a time people would just go and they'd collect a Grammy and they'd be delighted and they'd sing a few songs and they'd thank everybody and thank God and thank their parents and all the usual mm-hmm. crack, you know. Now it's just, it's um, like Alison, we were talking about it downstairs during the week, like it's become like this sort of... Um, Oh man, with the costumes and everything, know, yeah. like it's just—I don't know what you could compare it, it to. You is know? there a woke like, element to it now? I think is that, that has I th- that overtaken. I think everything? there probably is. Yeah, and I, I would fear that they're forgetting about the music and yeah. and, and while why they're there because the stuff. fashion was so outlandish, and outlandish, strange, absolutely strange and and bizarre, and I I just don't get any of that stuff. Yeah, even they might have Fashion Week in Paris or something, and like the stuff that you see is just like. I know if you're bored in Tip Town, you're going to hide in there. <laughs> You'd have to shite kicked out of you by the time you get up to Noel Ryan's, you know what I mean? <laughs> I said, look at the cut of your man. So I, I don't know, what the, I don't yeah, know who yeah. this is for or what this fashion is for. So there was a lot of that stuff. There was, uh, I wrote down some things. There was a few punch-ups backstage between people that I don't even know who they are, so I can't tell you. Madonna has people talking because of the way she looked. Uh, yeah, it looks what, like she's she had some work. Yeah, she didn't really look great. Bizarre, really bizarre. Well, strange. it looks like she's had some work done. Uh, but she's <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, more work than I've had done. Uh, she was, but she's she's come out and she's said it's ageism and misogyny yeah. and it's like all that kind of thing. Uh, so that's been going on in the background. Um, more nonsense things. Nonsense things. I know you don't care about, but just some of the chat from the Grammys over the weekend. It was Sunday night. Jennifer Lopez and her, her actor husband Ben Affleck mm. made headlines across the week too because every time the camera went to them, it looked like that they were arguing. <laughs> Right, and the cool kids call him Benifer. Did you know that they're called? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, they're please, called. Please. They're called Benifer. Uh, so that that kind of nonsense stuff. What is, is that? Going on. Just a typical couple's night out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or there was a hair in his soup or something. I mean, I I don't know. So let's get around yeah. to the music. Right. Let's let's yeah. let's face it. That's the most important thing. Now, I have to admit, I didn't ever hear this lady until this week. She okay. uh, won Best New Artist, and I know you're going to uh, love this. Actually, I played a bit of her during the week for you. Samara Joy is her name and she won a Grammy for Best New Artist. No, don't bother to explain Can I fix you a quick martini As a matter of fact I'll have one with you For to tell you the truth out of this dream What a fool to dream Oh, I'd forgive them all the woke mm. nonsense mm. of the fashion film. Mm. Wow, what a talent. I'm going to be listening to her over the weekend. Yeah. Um, Shades of Ella and oh, Billy. It's and just and incredible. Uh, Sam- Samara. Samara Joy. Uh, is her name. So that's that's fantastic and I'm delighted that, that she won that. Uh, record of the year went to Lizzo, who we play quite a bit here. Uh, this little clip her of uh, Lizzo about damn time is what she won the uh, song for. And anybody at home who feels misunderstood or on the outside looking in like I did, just stay true to yourself because I promise you, you will find people who believe in you and support you. I want to thank Y'all for believing in me and supporting me. Team Lizzo, my team, my rock, my family, my mama, my sister, my brother, my daddy. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah. 
Well, well, you feel misunderstood. You felt like that for quite some time, haven't you? Yeah, up until a few weeks ago, actually. But I can't even go into that now. I think if I ever won a Grammy, I'd just go up and say sound for that. Yeah, yeah. Because they'd all be looking at that. That's what Van Morrison did uh, the year he won the, <laughs> yeah. the overall hot press thing. He flew all the way from New York and he just said thanks and thanks. walked and, up. And, and gone. I love it. I love yeah, it. you see, I, I hate all that nonsense. Yeah, I'm afraid I, I don't like that. Uh, one of the big winners um, is Harry Styles, of course, uh, this year too. Uh, album of the year for Harry's House, number three there. This guy gives me a pain of the... Anyway, <laughs> have no. I think like on nights like tonight, it's obviously so important for us to remember that there is no such thing as best in music. Um, I don't think any of us sit in the studio thinking, making decisions based on what is going to get us one of these. This doesn't happen to people like me very often, and this is so, so nice. Thank you very, very much. I... <laughs> That's the funniest thing. You're completely... The minute he started talking, you're oh, deflated I just, I looking. Can't, I, can't, I can't handle him. Why? Did you, did you see what he was wearing? I know, it's ridiculous. The clothes are ridiculous. Yeah, Absolutely I mean, ridiculous. What, would, what would they think in Cornies or Jerry Jackson if you <laughs> arrived in? And again, you'd get a hiding. There's <laughs> 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 no question. You'd go home without the outfit anyway. That's one sure thing. To be left hanging up behind the bar. And it's important, actually, you should say about the Harry Styles thing because that right. made news during the week too. You might have noticed uh, where he said, this doesn't happen to people like me. Of course, you spoke about the woke element. Um, he got a lot of nasty comments about that because people thought it was uh, he was talking about race. Oh, for God's sake! Are you serious? They were reading completely into blew up online. Now, it was like like him or lump him. It was obvious he was just saying, "Do you know where I came from and my journey and how I got here?" And I can't believe this has happened to me. Um, but that's all it was. It wasn't a case of you know a young heterosexual white man winning or you know. Yeah, wasn't. I know. Um, Adele Can you say anything nowadays? No, you can't open no, your mouth. No. Nah. You, you must get into all oh, with Jesus. some of that stuff you, that you, you're you, saying. You have no idea. <laughs> Go on, what else have we got? Uh, best pop solo performance I went to Adele. Um, do you like Adele? I do, yeah. Oh. I do, isn't sort she, of. Isn't she lucky? You know. yeah. uh, <laughs> Adele, I guess you're not a fan, no. No, I don't mind her, actually. I don't mind Adele. Yeah. Uh, Adele, easy on me. Uh, best uh, pop solo performance. That's a bit pitchy for me, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. A bit too much. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, you, um, made, you made a face. I'd love to have the camera I, in here. <laughs> God. Maybe not. Maybe. Yeah, you she probably. You, it's a live take, you see. You probably couldn't hear us. I don't think it's live. Oh, is it not? No, I don't think so. Well, there's no excuse for that whatsoever, then. Yeah, you just like, like I was looking at you. You look constipated or something. Well, you came on there. Well, like. well, I am, uh, but that's a separate <laughs> issue. <laughs> let's, let's not go there. Um, All right, right, so look, she, 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 was, um, she was one of the big winners as well. Uh, the big, big winner... Uh, was Beyonce. Uh, mm. She was the big winner at the uh, Grammys. Uh, she did make history, right? Now, go back to, what did I say that Burt Bacharach got? Did, he, did they say he got four or seven uh, Grammys or Six, something? Six, I think you said. Six yeah. Grammys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she's won the most amount of Grammys that have ever been won. Uh, I think she won 32 Grammys in total. Uh, this is her 32nd Grammy, yeah. yeah. Uh, but while she won big and she has made history for, for that very reason, she's not yet won 
uh, album of the year any time and people were kind of okay. up in arms a Isn't little bit. Isn't she in trouble or have I the wrong lady? Isn't she in trouble for, for that gig she did in Dubai because they uh, have outlawed homosexuality and she has a... I didn't quite know a diverse that. following or something and they I were didn't very know crossover. That. One so she, she went and she took the money, did she? She did. She took the Queen's shilling. She yeah. did like what, what Beckham did in Qatar with That's the, uh, with the soccer it. and all. A uh, little clip for there. Uh, number five, Beyonce. Breaking the record for the most Grammy wins of all time. I'm trying to just receive this night. After arriving one hour late and missing her Best R&B Song Award, which was presented by newly crowned EGOT winner Viola Davis, Beyonce got a standing ovation for her 32nd Grammy. I'd like to thank my beautiful husband, my beautiful three children. But the beehive is buzzing today, outraged that Beyonce still hasn't won Album of the Year. But that didn't break her soul last night. Inside, Beyonce hugged Taylor, posed with Lizzo, and even Adele, who beat out her idol for best pop performance. She oh. was late. Mm. Fashionably late. Right. Because when we go to the Imros, we're always early, aren't we? I don't know. I've never, been, I've never been asked. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I always wait to find out how you got on. And just, you, you can yeah, tell me, yeah, well, yeah, we had yeah. this and we had a glass yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I've never yeah. asked those bloody things. So what else have we got from the Grammys? Um, how much time have we left? Uh, you have four and a half minutes Okay, left. perfect, okay. perfect. Right. Uh, an unknown artist called Bonnie Raitt. <laughs> <laughs> because people have been again oh, online Lord. saying, who is Bonnie Raitt? Uh, just one of the finest uh, singer-songwriters uh, of our time. Um, I love this song. I mean, I really, really... Did you listen? I sent it to you. Did you ah, listen to it? Just amazing. It's, it's incredible. It's it? amazing, yeah. So she... And she was genuinely shocked uh, when her name was called out. So Bonnie Raitt is mm. back with Song of the Year, Grammy Song of the Year. Uh, it's a song called Just Like That. Uh, the song tells the story of her losing her son. Uh, and saying that story basically is that he'd be 25 years old now she also says that if she had watched him properly you get the impression that she feels that she oh, there's a bit of guilt no, there when you, when you listen over, that she's yeah. regrets that she didn't catch his hand or something like oh, that happened. so that, that if you listen to it closely and this guy comes knocks on our door basically and I'm not ruining it for people because you listen to it we'll play it in full if we've time um, basically uh, this guy comes I've been looking for you I couldn't find you I've got something to tell you and I let the uh, right. I let the song do the rest. What does it say that nobody? Well, very few people knew who she was. Or knew, sure that's knew just, of her pedigree. Sure, look, that's just ridiculous. Like I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know how people couldn't know. Um, but look, before you play it, and you'll figure it out yourself when you listen to the words of it. Um, it's done amazing things for um, organ donation okay. in the states and around the world because that's the uh, that's the uh, theme of it. Uh, can we play it? Yeah, sure. Okay, we listen, can. We're done. here's Bunny Raid. Uh, Andrew, thanks very much indeed for that.
lines in there, if I hadn't looked away my boy would be with me today. I mean the strength of that absolutely incredible. Anyway, the great Bonnie Raitt uh, there um, some people on to <laughs> do you know, you can't say anything on this programme. Some people on to give me cures for constipation <laughs> it was it was a joke but, but thank you very much uh, I believe Kiwi first thing in the morning uh, and, and also prunes, Fran thank, thanks for that. News and information is on the way Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today. With Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and you're very welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Now, of course, we're with you every single weekday morning from 9. And uh, Finn of all TD, Jackie Cal, uh, spoke to me. Uh, this morning about uh, the return of Bertie Ahern to uh, politics and uh, we'll be bringing this up with our our panel. So have a listen. This is what he had to say. Do you see him having a role then within the party? I mean, you mentioned the unions there. You mentioned negotiation, which was his thing, I suppose. Um, Do you see him having a a practical role within the party? I do. He's he's in constant discussions with the unions on, on, on the protocol at the moment. And I see him having a role to play you know, as an Ireland or an Ireland envoy within, you know, as we try to advance, you know, better cooperation, north and south, and getting towards our goal of United Ireland. I see Bertie having a key role there. 
And, you know, there's not an awful lot of politicians in the South that can sit down with juniors and be fully trusted. Bertie is one of those, and I think we need to use their expertise in that, in, in, in that sphere. But what about them being trusted in the Republic? I mean, the amount of lampooning that has gone on since the announcement was made, you know, about uh, the Mahan Tribunal, obviously, and brown envelopes and all sorts of stuff and bank accounts. Yeah, like, is that not always going to taint him, Jackie? Well, look, the man which you know, I don't know what happened before I became a TD. You know, they had our findings there. He contested those findings. He didn't agree with them. I would like to just judge him on his record of it, uh, as, as a diplomat and as a negotiator. He has delivered an awful lot for this country. His reputation will stand up to scrutiny as regards the delivery of the Good Friday Agreement and, you know, peace to this, to this island. And I'd like him to see him progress in that. The man is now in his 70s. I think he has a lot to deliver to us. And I would like, you know, we can advance cooperation between North and South. That's what we all want to achieve. That's Deputy Jackie Cahill speaking to me this morning on uh, the question of Bertie Hearn becoming a member of Fianna Fáil uh, once again after I think it was 12 years away from the party. Delighted to welcome our Friday panel. Andrea Keenan is with me from the Foot uh, Care Centre in uh, Clonmel and you're welcome for the first time to the panel, Andrea. Thank you for that. Uh, Joe Leahy is with us, founder of Seesaw in uh, Clonmel and of course security consultant as well and delighted to welcome back our old friend uh, Kieran Cleary who is a, a solicitor my learned friend here on the panel oh, today. Well done. And, and well you're, done. you're all extremely welcome, and thank you very thank much you indeed for coming. Good morning. Can, can we begin uh, with uh, the Bertie Ahern story? Um, Joe, can I start with you on this? Were you surprised at this, by the way? Yeah, not really. Frant was kind of uh, bubbling away there underwater for the past. A few f- past couple of months there, there was a few feelers thrown out, you know, I suppose, to see what to be like. I see an old poll going around there at some stage as well, see what the people would think. Mm. Sure. You know, doesn't matter really and truly like you know I like like the way uh, Jackie just kind of said you know well that all happened before I was elected you know so <laughs> yeah. he was embracing him at a, at a distance you know like you know it's gas like when you look at the unionists that they trust Bertie Hearn you know he'd be saying holy god where the rest of us got but so it doesn't matter really that he's rejoined Fianna Fáil, not really. Do we need, you know, is, has he done a lot of good work for peace? He certainly has, blah, blah, blah. But at the other side of the coin is, you know, why, why is he coming back? Is he only mm. a member? As Jackie says, you know, Jackie used the word invite there, you know. Mm. Is is there some, obviously there's a plan somewhere behind the scenes that none of us are aware of or that hasn't been brought out in the public yet while he's rejoining, you know. Yeah. Is it going for the presidency? And, and I was going to ask stuff? you about that because, I mean, I can't see how he could go for the presidency because in a debate situation, guess what the first questions are going to be about, you know. So, yeah. like, would that work? Would that? Uh, well, you see, look, you know, we're, we're a funny old nation, like, you know, we sent dust into the Eurovision, like, you know, we, we're liable to do anything here in this country, like, you know. And, like, <laughs> Not your, all of us, <laughs> Your faith in us <laughs> is like, <laughs> so, so, like, if yeah, you look at it, like, oh, if yeah. you look at it, you know, would they run him, you know, like, it's ironic, as or not ironic, as well, it's a bit unusual like that, Mihal Martin isn't being pushed out there like as presidential material per se from mm-hmm. from their gene pool. Is I'm just talking about, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But and why is Bertie back? And are we saying that because of that, or is it just to do with the protocol, or is he just rejoining Fianna Fáil as a member again? Yeah, like who knows? But I can't I can't see it giving him any rise in the polls. Mm-hmm. I might as well tell you that. Another like. interesting one from Jackie today, though he was at pains to point out, um, and uh, we haven't heard this from Mihal Martin, but at pains to point out that you know Republican Party and 
and uh, how important the United Ireland is to the party as well. I just was interested that he made that point several times. But Lord God, like, are we, are we, how far away are we from this? Like, we, we keep thrown out this mantra this United Ireland every you know every mm. couple of months it comes up and nearer to an election it comes up and would you wish for this would you wish for that good God like the truth of the matter is like we can't we can't manage what we have yes you know yeah. people up there they don't want us some people down here don't want them how are you going to marry like there's like two enemies like marrying like and that's the yeah. reality of yeah. this there's a bucket a thousand things like look what the protocol the problems that has caused. Right. Never mind United Ireland. Like pre- right, pre- but, but, but the real politic of this is probably that Michal Martin has been very watery about this, the rise of Sinn Féin and yes. maybe grassroots Fianna Fáil saying we're not Republican enough, you know. Andrea, what do you make of Bertie Ahern? I actually agree with Joe. Um, I think <laughs> it would be a disaster for us. I mean, the neck of the man. <laughs> yeah. to, to, uh, and say to fully trust him. I mean, we've got a list of the tribunals he was involved in. Mm. Moriarty, um, Mahan, the Beef Tribunal. He's got a hand in all of them, writing blank checks. Mm. I mean, he did do good work with the, uh, the Good Friday Agreement. I think Albert Reynolds started that. Well, I absolutely. Think. I think that, that uh, Albert doesn't get near enough credit. No, he doesn't get, well, I suppose he had moved on at that stage. Mm. But you can't ignore everything else and yeah. the dirt that's going to follow him. And I just feel there'd be... I think we should hold our elected officials in a high, of a higher standard. Mm. And we haven't done that. And for the party, is it a mistake? You know, they're not great. They still have... Um, like Michal Martin was around when a lot of these things yeah. were happening. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, they really, I think, when we had our best presidents, actually, were... Uh, Mary Robinson, Mary mm. McAleese and Michael D. Higgins. He's incredibly well thought of around the world, globally, not just here in Ireland. He's mm. very articulate. So the, the notion of Bertie as president then, no? The man is not articulate. He's you a don't think things. so? No. Mm. I mean, he... No, he's ums and ahs and... Very charismatic, though, I have to say. I mean, people did like him very much and were very yeah. fond of him. I think they liked the free bus pass more. Did they? With, yeah. with, uh, Nothing Sean. wrong with that, Andrea. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is yes. that an ageist comment? Is, is that Don't ageist? talk about the bus pass, but we have no town bus now. That's my one, one of my... Oh, yes. Let's, let's not go to that yes. more. Uh, Kieran, what, Bertie here. I, I think his yesterday's man uh, is 25 years 25 years since he was in power, so mm. to speak. That's a lifetime. Mm. And to say the unionists have great time for him, so all the people who dealt with him, they're all gone. They retired, Paisley. Let them are dead. They don't even know who he is. Uh, he is tainted. He will always be tainted. And I, I would have great reservations about that because if he is our, our president, he's tainted with this man, with this money missing, the dig out. That's, that's wrong. Mm. That is wrong. And he's tainted. And we were all then become a banana republic. You'll say such and such. I, I would have nothing to do with him. I'm astonished they would even bother with him because he's an old man now. And what, why is he, what is he, 70-something, 72 or something? Um, why do you think then that he's probably power. He's probably power. He loves it. The politicians love yeah. They love being called minister. Yeah. I'd like to be called Judge Cleary, but that's his past. We won't go there, we are, my yeah. lord. Yeah. Yes. They, they love it. They love yeah. it. It's in his genes. He, he's, I was listening to Terry Prone last night on Prime Time, mm. and she discussed Bertie Hearn and coming to see her. He's a he just loves people. They love mm. the politics. But, but in the last couple of years, he's on every talk show everywhere. I mean, he's now the expert when you talk about the Good Friday Agreement. He's the go-to. You but know? does he get paid for all that? Uh, I'm not sure. 
Not sure about that. I, I know where the payments are here. But it would be just expenses. <laughs> expenses, yes. But <laughs> <laughs> how can you cash it visit the bank account? Oh, I, I think, he, I really yes. do. I, I would be really annoyed if they let him go forward. I'm astonished Fianna Fáil would do it. I... I would have thought with Joe, I think Hall Martin is an outstanding person. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think he's a. He brought in the, when he was the minister for health. All the he stopped all the smoking. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those. And he's a fantastic. He's he's. Well, not, well he did kick off the HSE though, and look at what happened. Well, Joe, that. I know he. But but he, we don't want any president who is tainted in any way whatsoever. And I agree with Andrea, Mary Robinson's. Absolutely excellent. Super. Mary yeah. McAleese, excellent. Mm. And our present. It's, mm. it's a joy to watch him. I, I, I watch him when he's mm. greeting foreign guests mm. and speaking about a pose. And he's a pleasure to, to represent us. And, and he, he's, uh, his writing is just gorgeous, you know, his be- be- beautiful English and stuff. But the, the only thing about it is he pushes the, the, the boundaries quite a, a bit. A little bit, yes. He should keep, I mean, school children not doing their homework. Yeah. You know, yeah. Once he but, but, but I, I agree. But, but I suppose <laughs> also there's another, you know, don't forget like what a, a fellow by the name of C.J. Hawhey once said, you know, you think I'm bad, wait to see what's coming behind me. <laughs> and what's he making, what's he referencing Bertie at that uh, time? Yeah, the cutest well, of them all. Well, the cutest of them all, yeah. like, right. And I suppose, if you look at all these things, you know, maybe we were stuck in a rut like in this Northern Protocol, which we were for two years, like a year and a half there, and there was nothing that, wasn't, that wouldn't lead nor drive us, they'd say, you mm. know what I mean? And maybe, maybe, maybe Bertie might just be the key for that. But that and that alone. Be I don't think, what you wish for. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. Like, I don't think, like, forget about presidency. I'd like, forget about okay. all that altogether. Don't but even a go role in that. Northern Ireland. But I think that. a role in Northern Ireland, like, he was trusted before, and do they trust him again? You know, yeah. because clearly they don't want to trust the present politicians at all. Yeah. So, like, is he a step removed from that? Even though a temporary man who was under the radar, Martin Manzer, was, was you know, incredible around Absolutely that, you know? incredible. And you know, yeah. and didn't get half enough kudos yeah. for what he did. Absolutely. Correct. And I think that's why he's not in politics. He wasn't a baby kisser. He wasn't going around Correct. doing the, the old backslapping. No, no, stuff, he was doing the work. He absolutely. was doing the work. And absolutely, absolutely fantastic. All right, let me take a break. We'll be back with our panel in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today and to our Friday panel. And Kieran Cleary is with me, Joel Lee and Andre uh, Keenan as well. 1800-938-007, by the way, is our free phone number. You can text and WhatsApp 083-311-3311. Now, the Cabinet currently considering that report by the Attorney General into the contentious state legal strategy on nursing home charges. Now, a political controversy erupted late last month after the Mail on Sunday newspaper published details of a plan approved by successive governments to defend uh, cases taken by medical card holders who paid for private nursing home care. And the government is standing by its defence. But is that uh, good enough? Kieran, can I start with you on on this? Um, Certainly, it looks like the Attorney General is agreeing with Leo Varadkar on this. And what he said was that, uh, you know, this was right and proper legal practice. What, what do you I, make of I, it? I would have thought some, a, a group of people um, would be assembled and they would take a high court action to have this clarified one way or the other. There's a vast sums of money involved here. 
lot of money by people who perhaps were really stretched to do it. And if they're entitled to be paid back, they should be paid back. They, they, they were penalised. I think they were penalised incorrectly. But then let's the course decide. It's, um, it's a contentious issue. The Attorney General will nearly always go with the government in every issue. Of course. Initially, well. that is the purpose of it. But I, I, don't th- I think that those who have... The, it is the medical card people who are talking about. And they, they were... Yes. Well, just as a lawyer yourself, were you surprised that the report, I mean, okay, it was legal, but it was also a very political report. Well, I was What's astonished. That? That's very unusual. Yeah. The, the lawyer's function in life is, is the law. They have no other opinion. They shouldn't have an opinion. Yes. But that was a very, I agree completely. It was a, it was a politician's. And the, and the Attorney yeah. General is not a politician. Yeah, because he spoke about the difficulties of managing the the coffers and, you know, yeah, looking yeah, after the that, money no, and no, stuff yeah, like The that. Attorney General gives advice on the law, yes or no. Sometimes he's wrong, sometimes he's right. Yes. But you do not, you never stray over into the other area. Does it concern you, though, that it's not really... The, the whole issue isn't about legality here because the, the, the notion is that the health boards... Um, they decided that the public nursing home care should be available to everybody who needs it, to medical card people and like. There wasn't enough beds, so they had to look at the notion of private care. And then Leo was saying, yeah, but the government didn't say that you pay for private care. So we're into really yeah. hum- human it, stuff here. It more is than really, legal, if they it? haven't enough beds, then they go into the private hospital. That happened during the COVID. Yes. They had to go into private hospitals were made available to them. I don't think the medical power people should be uh, punished for what's happened. I really don't. Right, okay. And I think they should be compensated. Andrea, what, what do you make of this uh, debacle? I agree uh, with Kieran. Uh, I think it's terrible. But I, how do you go about compensating them? Because some of those people will have passed. Families would have moved away. I mean, you're going back 17 years. Yes. And, and then prior to that, uh, I think it's dreadful. Uh, I've, I've read that there's a potential loss of £12 billion. That was it, even though that's being disputed that it would be as high as well, that. Well, I'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they would dispute it, wouldn't they? Yeah. Uh, I would perhaps like that sum, where it would come from, I don't know, to be uh, taken aside and maybe build more public nursing homes. It used to be like 10% private, 90% public, and that has just literally turned on its head. So uh, you're saying look to the future more than the past, is that it? Uh, I just feel that how would you go about uh, de- dealing out the money? If mum or dad has passed, and they probably have at this yes. time because it's a long time, uh, maybe their children, some of their children have passed. I mean, how do you go about who, you know, but they did have a court action, I, I mm. agree, I used to work with Kieran, so I understand how that works. Um, I do agree that that could be a way, but then who's going to be party to that? Yeah, can, just, yeah. just from a lower point of view, can I, can I ask you if somebody is makes a settlement, which one guy did for 122 grand or something like that, that doesn't set precedent. Though. No, it that, doesn't. That has to happen no, within a court. Is, is that without it? prejudice? Ah, right. Okay. Without prejudice, you, it's, it's not admission of liability of any sort. Right. Insurance industry always makes settlements. So I can't cost. go into court. No, you and, can't and use point that. to no. that. No, you can. Okay. In fact, I'm astonished there's, there's even leaked generally settlements like that. There's a confidentiality clause in it that nobody can discuss it. Now, the right. fact that that amount came, I don't know, but I agree with Andre. How do you find the relatives? Because the people going to a nursing home, they would have been elderly. That would be dead yes. by now. 
Uh, who's next in line? Who are they? Well, can the action be brought by a near relative, for example? I think it will be. I think there will be a group action here on behalf of, I don't know how many, like a lot of group actions, and then the court will decide that. You can't do a class action here, though, can you? You you can't do a class action as such, but you get a number of plaintiffs together. Okay. Get 20, 40, 50 together, and one person does it for the rest, but it's not a class action as such. Because that's that's not the case. Um, What are you making of it, Joe? Well, I think, um, you know, as you know, the, the legal system here is very, um, it's a very slow process. It's very um, uh, time consuming. There's a huge amount of delay in it and has, and always has been for whatever reason. And it has always been there. And um, anything that you go into, you take a look at the Stardust. You take a look at, you know, the mother and baby homes. You can go along, along and, and any one of those and every one of those, they take years and years and years. And I think what happens here is that when this comes down like to when the, the, the head honchos in the legal system and they get together and insurance companies, you know, let it be the public purse or not, there it comes down to money. It's like, how much do you want and how much can I get away with giving you? Really and truly, we can, if you put the emotion to one side and all that, Mm. this is really what it comes down to. You know, how much, you're looking for X, can I give you Y? And we end up with Z, that's where we do. And when these things happen, that's at the the end of the day, that's the way they all work out. And they've always worked out like that. And it's going to take, it's going to take time. The one problem I would see with the door as, you know, like anything that goes, that happens. You know, I was speaking to somebody the other day about the Stardust Tribunal, you know, and they never heard of the Stardust. They never even knew anything about the Stardust. They never knew such a thing existed. And the same thing happens here, like people die. I'm sorry, is that a generation thing? Is somebody it's a, a generation younger person? Thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's a generation thing because of the delay. Yes, of course. And the same thing is going to happen here. How do you find, like, how do you find, just mm. said it was my grandmother, Lord to mercy, and the woman was in this, like, like how, do I pro- how can I prove then the effect that had on me? So are you saying this is a tactic? The delay, 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 oh, I think and it's it a dilutes tactic, yeah. the... Uh, yeah, no, it's, it'll never be admitted like yeah, that yeah. it'll always be classed as we have to get this we have to get that we're short to this we're short to that we can't prove this but at the end of the day at the end of the day as you move on a generation the personal effect that had on me about my grandmother is a lot less than would have had on say my father about his mother do you get what I mean? yes so hence I should be entitled to less compensation than my father would have been for his God, it's, it's very So I think it's going it, yeah. to, I think it's going to drift a lot. I, I, with the greatest of respect to the Attorney General, I felt really patronised by him because he suggested that many uh, of the reports in the media demonstrated, and I quote, a significant unfamiliarity with civil litigation progress uh, <laughs> pro- process. Litigation by its nature is adversarial. But do ethics come into it at all? Like, you oh, know, no, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. And and, and the, the, the harsh reality of it, they do not. Like, you know, like Kieran mentioned the term there earlier on, this is commonplace, like, that you hear, you know, so-and-so got X amount of money, you know, without admission of liability. Yeah. yeah. Like, we hear that thing being ranted. Yeah. Like, so whether I'm born with all due respects, like, we, we all have to be careful because there's people out there listening to us and we have to be careful. But if I'm born, like, we'll say, with the most um, complicated disfigurement, yes. you know, and there's still no admission of liability, but you get a pollicon of money. But that happens with the HSE all of but, the time. But, they, but here we are, isn't it the same? We're still looking at the public purse. Yeah. We're still looking at the same system. And it's a question of shift out a wheelbarrow money there as little yeah. as we can. What is behind that, Kieran? Uh, not not admitting uh, liability. An effort to avoid payment. Yeah, it, it's exhaust the to, litigant to others. To, to others, to it's others. exhaust the litigant, and plaintiffs do get exhausted. They get tired of that. It's a campaign, and even I say there was a class action, fifty people. 
after about a year, 25 of those lose interest. Then another 10. You'd end up with maybe four people who process it. And they just run out of steam. They get exhausted from it. Mm. It wasn't their mother, their father, that was their grandparents. Is, is there also a fear of the financial well, aspect of course it is. You could lose it. If you yeah. lose your case, you're in trouble. The only people who can really sue successfully are those who have no money are those who have vast amount of money. Those who have a source of income. You could lose your case very easily. And right. then you have an attachment to your salary, payable over a period of time. And you end up paying maybe 100 a week for the next five years. And if you have no money, you have free legal aid, is well, it? No, it's no free legal aid, but they can't get anything off you if you have nothing. All right, OK. If right. you have absolutely nothing, only your... See your pension. They can't get. They can't, you can't touch anybody's pension, right? And you can't touch their social welfare payment. They cannot be attached, right? But if I have nothing, am I entitled to any sort of representation in oh, the you, courts? Uh, you are. You take. Uh, you get your legal team. Will they do it? And they're no for no fee. Right. And if they win, they get paid handsomely, and if they lose, they get paid nothing. But they won't touch it unless there's a pretty good guarantee. But again, this is all very cynical. In other words, if you're wealthy, you can bring you can an action. You can like when you're wealthy. You can, that's why Dennis O'Brien is uh, continuous. Well, we, 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 we hate to mention Dennis O'Brien oh, on any uh, oh, programme. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, uh, anybody <laughs> like Dennis O'Brien. <laughs> what about you, Andre? Well, yeah. my problem would be, how do you know how much Granny paid? Yeah. How do you know whether she got so much of it free first? Where are we going to get that information from? We're mm. going to have to get that, go back to the government from, for that. Do they? Have sure. they lost mm. it? Yes, but, after so many years, it's gone. Seven years, is it a case? In the, here, I mean, the people become the enemy. I mean, if, if, if from a litigation point of view, if if we're fighting with the people, if the government is fighting with the people, they're the enemy. You know, it's they are, and I'm afraid it's not just just for litigation that they become the enemy. It's lots of things. Uh, that's that's the way that they, it's done here. It's really adversarial. Yeah. So it's it's fighting. You right. are fighting, and, and like Kieran said, you, you it's exhausting. But you're yeah. trying to fight for your corner. But, but what I'm saying is, how do you know how much your corner is worth if you can't get that information? And that has to come from the government or from nursing homes that it's, possibly it's, closed. It's interesting. They're, they're going to delve into this report. We'll hear about this in three months' time, seemingly, for some reason. Is this bigger than, than what we're witnessing here? Will this come back and haunt... Uh, the government. I know it's been successive governments, so... You no, know. no, what'll happen here, Rand, hold on a minute, like I said here in the last segment there, we're Irish. What'll happen here now is we'll form a committee, and after the, commi- <laughs> the committee will then the committee will then have a look at this, and then the report will be due out in such a thing, and then... Don't the forget re- the tribunal now, Joe, there might be a tribunal as well. Yeah. And, and there could be that, or the report will come out like on, on the Friday of a bank holiday weekend in August, yeah. right. when there's nobody around, and that's how it happens, and on we go again, and, the, you know, and then you'll hear there was 15 settlements there and half of them people will die on and it's like it's like any family you know like when you see like I say and bring break it all down back to your own say unit you know you're going to have a brother or a sister or sisters or brothers or whatever else that won't want to go ahead with this process you're going to have somebody else to say look mammy is dead Lord to mercy on mammy and let it rest and she wouldn't want this anyway you'll have somebody else say hold on a minute I have three kids going to college I can't afford this and you'll have all this involvement of all different things going on and as Kieran has said like some will follow on, some won't follow on, and not this won't. This will just fizzle away out. The same as something else. I think it'll come to nothing, Fran. Do you yeah. think? Mm. It's like all oh, this. We're all at high pitch at the moment. We're discussing it. In six months' time, we won't remember what this was all about. This will move on to something yeah, else. The, the, we didn't even touch on uh, the disability payments. I mean, for people who were in in care, and and their payments were stopped. 
you know. So, but you see, yeah. on, but on top of that, then, like, there's also going to another thing going to uh, surely will creep out of all this, like, as you know, his whole stumped up with a few bob to put Mammy in the nursery or whatever else. And I said, Oh, we got I had five grand under the mattress. Oh, well, how would you get that five? And now, I'll, oh, hold on now, let me out of all this. Right. And all these things, this is called human nature. Sure, and this wh- where would you send anybody into a nursing home with five thousand? I know, but I'm just saying, <laughs> for a week, no, but I'm saying to put the pot know, on together, yes, yeah, yeah. To put, yeah, you know. You you had to go to the credit union for your loan. You went to the bank, but I had the few bob. How did I get the few bob? Where did the few bob come from? And all this will dissipate down the road. All right, I, I'll I'll uh, take a break and give these bunch of cynics time to regroup. Uh, back in a moment. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email Tip Today at tipfm.com. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Look. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. And you're very welcome back to our Friday panel. And uh, Andrea Keenan is with us, uh, Joe Lee and uh, Kieran Cleary as well. And gathering from our conversation during the ad break there, none of us want to end up in nursing homes. No, that's no <laughs> absolutely not. That's for sure. I don't think it's so. It's possible. <laughs> Another big story uh, this week was from the UK. It was the call from the Church of England to stop uh, referring to God as he and uh, they're considering whether or not to stop referring to God as he after priests asked to be allowed to use gender neutral terms instead and the church said it would launch a new commission on the matter in the spring the topic which has been discussed by those who follow the Christian faith uh, for many years is being explored by some new commissions in a new joint project Andrea do you want to take that first of all (laughs) I'm an interesting choice because I'm an agnostic atheist Okay. so not only do I not believe I don't know how anyone else can know that there's somebody there having said that i've i've did a little bit of research on it because i'm not up au fait with it anymore but if god is considered spiritual well, he's not man or woman yes and and if we believe there was a bible i'm i'm not convinced there is but if we believe there was a bible it was in hebrew mm. and is it an exact translation of that well that's word? a constant uh, controversy isn't and it? Yeah. Uh, i'm told in ancient hebrew there's no pronouns mm. but if god was made in our likeness then maybe she's a woman i mean who knows <laughs> look at you didn't like the look of that no, okay no 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 i just find it interesting i was uh, speaking to father iggy on the program yesterday about this and he he made some very interesting observations and he said you know the scripture of the time the writings of the time were of its time and it reflected yes. the thinking of yes. its time and these explanations were to get the what is a huge philosophical notion to simplify it in some way and i, and I don't have a problem yes. with, with our father our love sounds a bit off to Our me, love, actually, yes. quite yeah. frankly. Um, and I'm sure there are, most people wouldn't have a problem. I, do you know, for enough, when they changed the prayers about 10 years ago to be in globally aligned, remember our prayers changed slightly? Mm. I found that difficult to change. Right. To, because I was still a massacre then. And I found that difficult. Um, so it must be very difficult for traditionalists right. now to I'm actually get I'm very nosy, but was there a, you forgive <laughs> the pun, was there a road to Damascus experience there that was. made you... Um... There was. Tomb babies. 
Oh, that was the it. The Tomb was Babies. It? I just went, no, I'm sorry now. Right. I'm at the end of the road here. Now, I do not disrespect uh, religious yeah, sure, yeah. orders. But, but that was I've the moment, was it? I've had patients here that are, are from religious orders, and I still do. Uh, that was the moment. And I read Kathleen Corliss's book, mm. and she actually was... Uh, she wasn't a... a a basher of the church. Yeah. She was a historian. Yes. And she came across this by the by. And well, as it's well turned we wouldn't out, know anything about it only for her. Really. Her mother yeah. was uh, in a, in a yeah. mother and baby home. Right. And uh, she's since lost her religion as, as well. But that's what that was the catalyst. Karen, what, what about you referring to uh, God as. I don't know, love or entity or. Well, or, I'm not the most knowledgeable person in the world that that friend in that. Um, I was married 53 years ago and I walked out of the church that day and I never walked back. I never, ever went back. I had no hostility, uh, no enmity. I thought this is the greatest load of nonsense. But I, I didn't know what was going on in the Mass. I, was I, 23 I don't years know why I'm so surprised I, I, yeah, I had no, And I've never got into it. I have no... Um, I enjoy what other people want, but I always felt, why were females, why were they banished like this? It was all about him. And the church is all about him. They seem to have no roles whatsoever, but I'm I, I'm sorry, I couldn't offer no opinion. I have no interest whatsoever right. in religion of any nature. I'm not hostile, but yeah. I have no interest. Isn't that very no, interesting? None whatsoever. I'm no. the same now. I have no, no I, religion. I just, and I'm very pleased my... Um, well, that's possible. My wife is listening. You better not say this. But, but anyhow, uh, no, I have none. No, it means nothing to me. Right. And no. can I ask you, like, after death? Uh, yeah, no, I... I I don't, it doesn't worry me the slightest. There's nothing I can do about it. Right. But do, do you think is it a dead end? If you uh, I would have thought so, yes. But I'm hoping we'll have three days festivities when I go. I'd expect that at the very least. I'd say there could be a lot of festivities the way, you, <laughs> the way you've gone on on this programme over the years. No, but it doesn't come into my uh, life it? at all in any nature whatsoever, no. no. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Joe, will you carry a banner for... Christianity well, I here. I think I'm very nervous. Who do you have to land me with here? You should be nervous, Joe. <laughs> Watch out for that lightning bolt, Joe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, no, I would believe. I certainly would believe. But I, I, um, I wouldn't be hung up about it. Like you know, you, you, it was handed down that God was a he. You know, does it does it really um, affect me if it was a he or a she or whatever? One of the things that bothers me a slight bit, though, and it's 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 a bit it's a bit God, but it's a bit everything else as well. It's why are we now? There seems to be a dramatic impetus now on change. Mm. Everything now has to be changed. Has to be changed. You you can't say hello without offending somebody. You can't do anything without offending somebody. And we're all changing this at a hundred miles an hour. And I don't see any reason. I don't know the purpose of all this change. Yes, some things need to be amended, adjusted. But God Almighty, this change coming in at 100 miles an hour. You know, I'd be far more interested, like, if they got people to go back into some kind of belief. But I see with the panel here this morning, I have my hands full oh, like yeah. that. You're wasting your time. No You're not including Fran in that at all. <laughs> oh, I knew he'd he try and drag me into this. Well, two out of three in half an hour, but Fran will be here on Monday. <laughs> but if you look at it, you know, if you look at it like, you know, they have mega problems, like, and they have mega problems the church et al. You know, whether it's a God or a he or a she or a it, they have, they have mega problems and they've, they've, they've failed to properly address piles of them yes. and they haven't brought closure on piles of them yes. and they left it back to the adversarial legal it's been dragged and dragged yes. and dragged and dragged you know? the, the, the only thing that would bother me a little bit is I would imagine the people who have a problem with this would be people outside of the church trying to change 
<laughs> those who are believers, you know, do, would that concern you? That well, it would. Well, I would. I would have uh, seen there now, like you know, since our our friary here closed, you know, like it's it has been observed there that people still pull up in their car and pull up outside the friary in the car park, and they say their few prayers in the car park in their car, and because that's their adoration, that's their belief, mm. and more look to him for believing in it. Fair play to him, but I think. The the, the 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 believers, the real true believers like that go to mass and that do that solemnly believe in that. I think these will be massive changes for those people, you know, I really do. Mm. But then again, you know, it it depends like, you know, people some people believe in nothing at all. Nothing at all, mm. you know. Mm. Other people believe in something. You know, I honestly believe that there is something there because, you know, whatever that something is, you know, like if there wasn't something there, I know I wouldn't be here with what I got a couple of years ago. So you believe in something and you do it and you follow what you believe in. And I believe in a God and I believe in an Our Lady and I believe in that. Do I go to Mass? God help us rarely, you know what mm. I mean? But um, my Ivan goes on a regular basis, but I to would... pray be, for you. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> to wonder why I'm here. Would, would you ask her to include <laughs> Kieran in, in, in her prayers? Next time? <laughs> and as for Andrea, you know... Last cause. Last cause. Yeah. I, I'm just interested, um, in terms of an afterlife then... We, oh, no, I have it all planned. Oh, oh. I have one daughter, okay. so I find that when people pass, the family go, oh, Mom, what would Mummy want? So I've already told her. I'm going to be cremated. I'm scattered in Admore. I mean, my daughter is not a, a churchgoer. We, I was. We were. We, I, no. I used to bring her, uh, and she doesn't visit graveyards. Okay. Uh, and I do it reluctantly, maybe twice a year. Yeah. So there's no point in me going into. And do you believe in a, an afterlife? No. no. It's funny. I believe in karma, so I don't believe in. I believe if I do a good deed to you, mm. that gets passed on. It comes back to me in some shape or form, either through my family or whatever. But. Uh, I, I, I don't believe, but my father passed almost three years ago and he was talking to his mother. He was very much a mother's boy uh, before he passed, just mm. a few days before he passed, and he could see his mother in the corner. My, my grandmother died in Nguyen in 1972, so, but he could see her. And I, I take comfort from the fact that he's with his mother. But I can still tell you in the next breath, I don't believe a word of the religious. And that's not just Catholicism or Christianity. Right that's, across the board. I mean, you look at all the world wars and you see where they are. Mm. Yeah. And it's all... And, and, and the drip feeding of the Catholic Church is it just... Uh, uh, it, it's scandalous. Absolutely mm. scandalous. Now it's Black Rock College. Mm. Where's the next coming yeah. from? Yeah. And I think Dermot Martin, who was the Archbishop of uh, Dublin at one stage, tried mm. to be more open and mm. he was... Went, he was pulled into yeah. well, well, into Rome and knocked at, on the head. Look at the current Pope Francis is battling the Curia in a, a big way. To well, get, my issue, know? friend, with the I, I spent nearly fifty years in litigation, and a lot of those were survivors of industrial homes, and the treatment meted out to them by the priests mm. was. It's not only scandalous, it's outrageous. And that's for years and years and the concealment by other yeah, priests of what was going on. Yes. I, I really do. That, that was my... Whatever chance I had of being reconciled, <laughs> you couldn't after that. No, it's, it's just terrible. And what, what do you... You know, with all that experience of that, Kieran, what do you make of that at this point? How did that become the norm? It be, well, I just wonder, were the, the, the people... Who, were they actually paedophiles before they joined? Did they have that paedophilia tendency? Was that why they did? And that's going on for... I was involved in two cases where two priests went to prison over it. And we had to force the superintendent, the guard in the area, to bring the prosecution. 
and that's different times, but Andrea said they're Blackrock College. I mean, this is still, you're paying top dollar to yes. go to a really upmarket school. And they're being sexually assaulted by priests. It's so that's horrendous. Terrible. It's but horrendous. It's, it's so wrong. It's really. And that's, that, does, that happens at 12 and that lasts till you in the grave. But you see, there's also, you must also look as well, I think, and I've said this here before, at the system. You know, like there is something wrong with a system, like let it be uh, the religious system in particular, when you get, say, a person, say, of 16 and 17, and you put them in, they have this vocation. Mm-hmm. In the name of the Lord God Almighty, like you want to clue what you want at 16. Mm-hmm. And if, if you look at the parallel to that, how many people, like, went to college, say, at 18, you know, and did a course and a year after changed to some other course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how the hell do you know what you want at that age? So like you're caught, you're brought in there then at that thing, you know, and the times were then when, you know, if you're, if you had a, a priest or a brother or a nun in the family, no, that was made was the stairway to heaven and that yeah, was the course, end of it. Yeah. And that was big stuff. And somebody or the family, if you had eight or ten in family, one of those had to be, at least one had to be in the priesthood and off they went and that's the way life was. My mum's one of 15 and none of them are. Yeah. So, uh, and, and and some of them are very religious, mm. but just none, none of them. But then are. again, a lot of it was a lot of it too was was money, and money, you'd say, yeah. and if you see like today, like you know, if you look at the group that elects, say, the Pope, you know, like we're talking about the Cardinals, we're, we're talking about seventy, like here in Holland, like you could be still playing under twenty one here, <laughs> like you're looking at, you know, you'd want to be probably over eighty five to qualify here, like you know, or yeah. you be, and this years is to go. and this is keeping this is keeping <laughs> the. The church going. The church going yeah, and it's keeping the system together. Like, you yeah. won't change the system if, if the system is I'm, I'm always at pains, though, at times like this to point out, I mean, and I'm thinking of three in particular, some of the finest men I know are priests. Oh, know? absolutely. You know, the finest, Correct. decent, wonderful, on. bright, intelligent... I know. couldn't agree more with you. Yeah. And I know some but how did they stay people. in the order, Joe? You know? I, I don't Frank, How did they get up every day and... I couldn't do that every day and... I've actually had doing? this conversation yeah. with Who am I talking priest? to? But they believe in what it though. I, oh, I know, but Kieran, they they sincerely like yeah. these priests it's like everybody, like it's like if you take say a person, say for example, that's a blacksmith, for example. Mm-hmm. They do the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. A person the legal person does the same thing. A person you know, you you take what you shrub do the same mm-hmm. thing, the same thing, the same thing. And these people absolutely this and some of these are brilliant people. Brilliant people, mm. and that has to be said too. In fairness, mm, yeah. male, male and female. Uh, uh, one of them would be. I, I was speaking to Father Iggy O'Donovan on the program yesterday, and he is definitely at pain to point out all of that, all the issues within the church. But yeah. he's still in there. He's still in there because Sorry, he, who is he, friend? Uh, Father Iggy O'Donovan. He's an Augustinian from right. Feathered, uh, okay. very well known, <laughs> no, pre- wonderful no. priest, no. and uh, okay. just you know, a great guy altogether. You know, so. yeah. 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 A great guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, Andrea, there's no change. Of you this morning, oh no, yeah. no, no! I mean, I I know uh, Father John Tracy, and I think he's a lovely man, yeah. and, yes, and yes. he's very frank, and I'm very frank. Yeah. I, I make no. It's when, when I was leaving this morning, my daughter said, "Are you going to tell the truth?" And I said, "Absolutely." I'm an agnostic atheist. I don't believe, and he knows that. Right. I had that conversation. I said to him, "What do you do when you meet people like me?" Yes. And he was oh, he's very quietly spoken and he said, Well, you know, these some of these things and we have to talk together and we have to work together and then, you know, we had this conversation mm. some years ago. Um I, I would I think he's a terrific man. Yes. Do you ever see any way back for you? Is there anything no, that might happen no, that might because though Joe was saying this when we were all saying there's mm. some nice people in the orders. I've met nuns yes. as well. Yeah. Um but they stood by. And you cannot let people. You, I can't 
uh, respect people that stood by and allowed that to happen. I went to a Catholic school in the UK until I was nine, and I was taught by nuns and lay teachers, and there was a remedial class, and they used to hit them with a slipper, and we'd all be looking through, and they were in the hall, and we'd all be looking through windows at them. Now, mm. we knew that at eight. All the teachers knew it. I mean, why was that allowed? My God. It, it's, it's the well, on, on the programme yesterday, we heard the most amazing story about a, a woman with multiple personality disorder, but how she was abused as a child was just... I mean, I won't even go into it. It was just absolutely horrendous. But on, on one occasion, she went to confession as an 11-year-old and told the priest about all that was happening to her, and he said go back home and don't be saying those things about your parents. No, you see, you yeah. can't. Horrific. How can you forgive Who that? Who believe you? Yeah. No, yeah. you must have come across that. Yeah, here. numerous times. Numerous times. And, and people in their own family wouldn't know anything about it. Yeah. And I've watched, I would, I grew up in this town, and I noticed certain people, they didn't thrive afterwards, they didn't follow a particular line of endeavour for their lives. And, of course, they were victims of sexual abuse. Mm. And they had no respect for themselves. They were mm. isolated. And shame. Yes. And, and they shame. Yes. yes. And for, uh, what came from this lady's story was that she didn't know that this wasn't the norm normal, because yes. it was her normal, yeah. you know, being abused yeah. by her father and her uncles and the oh. local doctor. And it was just, just terrible. Can we finish with uh, something probably on a lighter note altogether? <laughs> uh, we po- reported on Tuesday the historic uh, Hearty Cup final for Cashel of the Kings and all that. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, but we heard from some people and there was talk about a chant that went up when the referee made a rather controversial decision. Some young lads got together and they called him a word uh, beginning with a, a banker and they kept repeating this this thing. Um, Joe, do you see that as just a bit of fun, young lads being young lads or is it something that needs to be stamped out at an early age? How do you feel about it? I for God's sake, it's a bit of fun. It's a bit of, you know, I'll tell you a very quick story and this is this won't take long but I hope you see the funny side of it. Um, about 15 or 16 years ago I knew of a group of lads and they were going away playing a match and what they said what their, their chant was back then if I had the wings of a swallow and the big dirty arse of a crow I'd fly over to certain county <laughs> and I'd shite on the people below right Joe I, and that I, was, that was, thank that you was, for sharing that with us that, that, was, that was their song words now, worth over words, here. <laughs> No, I've no doubt, I've no doubt if that particular county were playing in Tipperary, they'd have said the very same thing here. Right? So you, you, you know what my promo for next week is going to be. <laughs> but that is, that is, it's for God's sake, and if you look at all those lads today, they're gone away, I'd say every whole one of those are, every one of them are definitely working. A lot of them qualified themselves as self-employed. There's, they've done apprenticeships, they've gone to college. The finest of people you could ever meet. Bit of youthful exuberance. Long may it last. All right. Uh, Andre, what about the what about the poor old referee? I mean, yeah, no, I, I would have a different look on it. I think it's, um, it's, it's like a systemic problem that uh, people are, when they want to disagree with something, uh, they become very aggressive. Yeah. Uh, we have had instances uh, up the country, I think it was Mayo, the last place, where somebody was banned from a match for seven years for being physically... Now, I'm not with this, we're not... I'm not it's not the same thing, mm. I know that verbally. But it's still abuse. And 
uh, I, I know one of the schools they did try and stop it, but I, I think um, you know I've seen I've been in crowds of matches rugby. I don't really do GAA, but rugby, and there'd be uh, you know the exuberance of it. I can understand that, but mm. I do think at a young age. Well, it, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of this happens at a young age, and they grow up with it. They see parents screaming, right. roaring on the sidelines. But what can you do about it, Andrea? I mean, there you are. Well, Joe spoke about the exuberance of it. You know, yeah. they're getting caught up in the occasion. Well, I think uh, they have to sign. I think they should sign something up the parents to be positive. It's all. Po- I think it should be positive. I'm not saying one person shouldn't win or the other person shouldn't have a goal, but I think they should have to stop the the foul mouth abuse. All right, Karen. What well, are there are students in school, and the teachers have a responsibility to control the students. I find that even I, if they're at a match, even Karen. if they're at a match, it's their their school was playing. Was that it? That's but I remember Joe might remember Donald O'Cusick was a full sure. a goalkeeper for Cork, mm. and he was the first uh, athlete that I know. The, he came out and said, "I'm gay," and I watched a lot of matches and people behind the goal where he was shouting horrific things, horrific stuff. Now that isn't funny; it's outrageous. But you don't, normally you wouldn't get that at GE. You certainly never get it at rugby. I know that, but you would get it at soccer for some reason. They find the chanting and the abuse and the coloreds. I don't find it funny at all. I think it's disgusting. Right. I really do. Is it sneaking into? It is. It's, it's all mob stuff. Yeah. Right. It's led that the biggest person with the biggest mouth always gets the most support when you're young. When they get older, people say, I'm not interested in that. But they lead them all. But I think Dunvish, the school, didn't suspend them or reprimand them. They have control over the students. And referee is just doing a job. He's getting paid nothing for this. But, but I, would, I, would, I, would, I, would, yes, um, I would agree to differ with you there, though, Karen. I think, yes, when you go beyond the beyonds, like when you go, as Andrea said, the physical abuse, when you go to that other abuse, like don't look, that's totally wrong, totally, absolutely. But I'm talking about when you're going here to a school's match, to me the most important thing here is that, that the kids went to support their colleagues, yeah, that they went yeah. there. That's a, it's a bit of youthful exuberance. It's bloody nothing else. A bit of crack, a bit of a joke, a bit of a laugh. Pure delighted. Great to see Cashel win it first time. Time, yeah. you know, and whatever, whatever. And I wouldn't see anything wrong. Uh, I certainly a, a, wouldn't be a, a joke, too joke heavy. It's very acceptable, but there mustn't somebody must not be the victim of the joke. Yes. You can yes. have a joke and enjoy it, but somebody else mustn't suffer because Some, of your somebody is taking exception to Karen and says he's wrong about rugby. Uh, um, a child playing under seventeen, there's a black player who joined last year. The abuse he gets on a weekly basis from opposition teams and their spectators is worse than I've seen in any sport. So it's, you know, no, it may be an isolated incident. Oh, it is but, isolated, Frank. Yeah. 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 Do, does it worry you that with all the talk about refugees and immigration, I think that will come into the workplace. It'll become a social thing. Do you think uh, so? Well, it, it could happen. I mean, you think of yeah. the Pol- Polish people, they all stick together. The refugees, that that's the next stage of it, these protests. Yeah, that's, it's, it's I, I feel very isn't? sorry for them. I think I they've did, highlighted yeah, the deficiencies in in their housing and in their health, etc. They mm. didn't cause them; mm. those problems were there. Right, they've highlighted. They're getting them. The, the, yeah. the the blame now. Yeah. That wraps up our panel. You've been a fantastic panel. Thank you so much to Joe and to Kieran and to Andrea as well. Uh, that's it for me. Emma produced. Uh, Ali looks after our content, and I will talk to you on Monday. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.